Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the thickest double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome in on a Monday. Thank you so much for joining us. Got a lot of talk about today. If you missed it on Friday, the two first-rounders in studio, that podcast still should be rather active at 1075thefan.com. And it was interesting in here because it was the two first-round picks and their family and the Pacers, the most people in the history of this studio inside this studio on Friday. But if you missed the two first-rounders, uh, you can grab that once again, 1075thefan.com, and listen to the podcast. You guys have been asking, too, uh, because I didn't really promote it, but I told you it was going on. It's over a week ago now, but it's really not at all time sensitive. Uh, last Saturday, a week ago Saturday, I had the opportunity to spend about an hour with Oscar Robertson. And we will get that to you. Whenever I get the heads up, we will get that to you. It was awesome. Now, again, it was incredibly awesome for me because I love basketball. And Oscar Robertson's basketball. And not only is he basketball from the 50s to the 60s to the 70s to the 80s to the 90s, all the way through to right now. At 84 years of age, incredibly, I mean, dashingly handsome, looks much better than me, and as sharp as anybody. But it was a fantastic conversation. A lot of you have asked about that because I did bring it up last week. Uh, Once I got back in here, last week was a short week for me, but... uh, We'll get that on, and I'll give you a bit of a heads up. We'll get that on, then make it available, obviously, for you uh, via our website and then some. But it was a spectacular conversation. It was one of the my favorite of all time, and I have done a lot. I mean, a lot of them going with a regular show, a daily show, going back to November of 2004, and then you know hosting weekend shows even prior to that. One of the greatest ever. I just kind of sat back and listened, and it was outstanding. But we'll get that to you at some point. I promise you. I'll give you a little heads up on it as well. I also, before we dive in fully to what's going on, NBA reported trade today. I don't know if this is going to open up any any type of door. 
Uh, as far as Atlanta and maybe a back and forth of the Hawks are concerned, probably not. But a lot of people are speculating and guessing because there was a major move reported today in the NBA. We shall get to that. I got a lot of Major League Baseball to get to, and I do want to double back. I want to get back to Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard in studio and your thoughts on draft night all in all is now you've had a full weekend to comprehend what went down and where this team is going right now. We'll do that over the course of the afternoon. But before I started, um, I do, I because we connect on a variety of levels and, and certainly because I am, am from here, I am from this state uh, because I am out and about. I'm very active with you out there. Uh, we see each other all the time. You know, whether it's remote or in this case, where I live, if it's at a Kroger, if it's at a basketball game, uh, if I'm going into a pickup game, wherever. I see people all the time and I love to engage in conversation, engage in, in really personal dialogue. Uh, So it really hit home yesterday because it was so near my home with the tornadoes. And unfortunately, we were talking about that again. I brought this up going back to March when those string of tornadoes hit down in in Johnson County, uh, most notably in the Whiteland area, which, by the way, got hit again yesterday. But I wanted to give my thoughts and obviously anything that anybody needs. And I know that this is just, I know there are tornadoes other places too. Uh, There were tornado warnings all over the place yesterday. And again, our, our local weather folks did an outstanding job of covering it and keeping everybody on top. But there were tornadoes reported down in Orange County. Uh, down in French Lick, I think they compromise some of the dome down there, at least window-wise. But I know there are a lot of people listening right now that either went through or know people that are going through right now just um, a, a huge pain. Now, granted, up here, from what I gather, here locally in central Indiana, nobody was injured which is incredible considering those things just popped up and went to work all of a sudden. I'll give you a background. So I'm yesterday, I'm in a pool, half in the bag, right? And all of a sudden the horns go off. I, I wasn't even paying attention. And the horns go off and I go, oh, wait a minute. Better sober up here really quick, figure out what's happening. But I was incredibly fortunate because it was it was north and then further to the east of my house. But some in and around the Center Grove area of Johnson County were not so fortunate. And again, it appears from all the reports that everything, at least health-wise, injury-wise, everything is okay, but there is a lot of destruction. A lot of things from homes to roofs to garages um, to just in and around of properties. And I wanted to send my, you know what better said, I want to send our sincere thoughts to everybody dealing with that, no matter where you are. And again, you could have been hit by a tornado, maybe even straight line wind someplace else. And again, compromise your foundation, compromise your roof uh, in and around your property. But again, we always see one another. We all hang. I kind of feel like I'm, I'm, I'm you guys. And hopefully again, 
Uh, you guys feel like you're the better part of me. If you can find a better part of me, that's great. Embrace it. But in moments like this, you got to really stick together. You need a shoulder, we give them a shoulder. If you need a little bit of help, need a little bit of help, a chainsaw, getting something out of the way, you help. And I just wanted to give uh, um, our sincere thoughts and well wishes to those that are dealing with, again, reportedly no injuries, but a huge mess uh, in and around a lot of areas in which where I live, where I go, where we all go. Uh, wherever that is, again, we are thinking about you on this day. And no question about that. That was tough. And I mean, it was, you guys were in it. It was here and gone in a second. I mean, literally, it was past us, and then it was nothing but blue sky and sunshine again. It was like nothing ever happened, but something did happen. Something really major happened to a lot of folks. And I just wanted to make sure everybody down there, everybody anywhere, in fact, Uh, That was uh, touched by the weather yesterday, the tornado outbreak yesterday. Uh, We definitely are thinking about you. Here's hoping at some point that you can gather everything together uh, once again, get back to a bit of normalcy, and then you can join us out, and uh, we'll just kind of sit back and talk about things, talk about things that are even uh, uh, certainly better than what you had to go through yesterday. So we are thinking about you around here. I know it's weather-oriented, not so much sports-oriented, but I certainly wanted to start out that way with uh, what took place with the weather yesterday. We are thinking about you. Meantime, sports-wise, you know, we hit the draft, had the guys in studio this past Friday. Good conversation, podcast, 107.5thefan.com. A lot of you have asked exactly what you think uh, in terms of what I think the Pacers are going to do. Um, I I am cautiously optimistic they'll do some work. And I'll tell you why I brought up that particular phrasing. Because I think they're going to be cautiously optimistic, too. I, I, I get caught up sometimes. I do. I, I'm sick and tired of watching teams around here lose. So I get caught up. When there is a moment of positivity, normally I'd jump on that thing and get going with it. I mean, anybody out there listening that gets sick and tired of me complaining about this and that guy can't play defense and that guy shots off or hey, the coaching or the decision-making with the football team or whatever we're talking about or my favorite baseball team being a laughingstock over the years. I normally, when something happens, I will outline it, I will highlight it, and we will talk about it. Because consistent winning around here for a while has been fleeting, and we need to get back to that particular level. In fact, I say this all the time. I think everybody around here is owed that, especially in football. You are incredibly owed that in football, and while we're at it, you might as well just factor in basketball. So when you run across some positivity in terms of what we're thinking and how long it's going to take, to get on a more consistent, viable winning track, um, I'm all aboard. I'm all aboard, and I can tell you this, we'll go through the same thing this football season. We'll go through the same thing. And I think this is going to be wider spread. But the same thing as we went through as me covering the Pacers, as you a blue and gold fan in December that got everybody all hyped up and fired up and felt like uh, this whole thing was out in front. 
Now, you didn't have to wait as long as what we thought. Remember, this time a year ago, I was wondering if you had it in you. I was questioning your ability with patience. Because it's really easy at the time to say, yeah, you know what? I've got all this patience and I can wait. I, I'm not built that way. We got to get this thing going. We got to get going. I'm 53 years old. Matt Query yesterday brought up this tweet of how old like people were. Give you a great example. It was like an all in a family tweet. It's when Archie Bunker and Edith are sitting at the intro and singing the song. Those are the days, the the famous intro to all in the family. And he sent out a picture and said, these two are in their 40s in this picture. I go, wait a minute. In their 40s? Well, what about 53? And then somebody, and I think that somebody was trying to be an ass, but that's okay. Because it made for a little bit of fodder. Uh, then somebody sends me a picture for you Seinfeld fans out there of Jack Klompas. Jack Klompas was, I think, in maybe three episodes, maybe more than that, but I thought three episodes of Seinfeld. Uh, Jack Klompas. The Klompases lived down um, where uh, the Seinfelds were retiring, the retirement community. So they lived there. Jack Klompas wanted to give... You know, Jerry, a pin. Jerry wouldn't take the pin, and then finally he took it. And the picture that was sent to me, uh, Jack Klompas was 55 years old. Jack Klompas looks in that picture like he's 85 years old. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Jack Klompas in that picture is like a year and a half older than me. So I find it difficult for me to apologize about just kind of grabbing some positively, uh, positivity and then running with it and hope that it is ahead of schedule. And again, it, it could be, you know, selling you fool's gold here. And I'm not trying to whatsoever suggest how easy it is. I mean, again, with the Colts, I mean, you're, you're going in and you're, you're number seven here. I mean, you're wait, waiting six years. Now, six years, what, five after, you know, I had a quarterback bail. And there have been a lot of promises, uh, most of which have not held up. But you're going to go through this, this cold season. You're going to see moments where you go, whoa. I talk about it all the time, the oh, wow moments. And then there are going to be moments when you think, well, you know what, this is never, ever going to work. Once again, this decision-making process is not going to hold up. So you're going to go through the same thing, but I do. I grasp on those moments and try to run with it and hope that there is something more real in terms of longevity in this case than it is yeah, just a moment and a matchup because that's what it comes down to. Moments and matchups, where you are on the schedule, if some Knicks player falls on your best player and hurts him, you know, that will hose you. But it is about that. It's just about matchups. So getting back to the Pacers for a moment, I, I do. I, I want this thing. It's like when I talked to Chad Buchanan and he had mentioned, well, you know, in the next couple of years, and I said, yeah, next year. There is a lot that I expect out of this team next year. And I'm not talking in the top four. You look in the East, and hey, Boston, you know Boston's going to be legit again. You know Philadelphia's going to be legit again. Milwaukee's going to be legit. 
And we'll see what happens with Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard ends up in Miami. I mean, he's sending out on Instagram Will Smith songs. <laughs> see, I just want to want like Damian Lillard and and they wouldn't get him. That's not even a consideration for them or him. But wouldn't it be great. One of these days, this is what I hope. And it's not like anybody would get it except for me and Jake and maybe a couple of other 50-something folks out there. But one of these days, I want to see one of these, you know, in their prime type of players, like send out via Instagram or Twitter or something, like the intro to one day at a time. (laughs) That's what I want. That's when we know we've made it. You're going to put the Pacers in the mix here. I mean, you're going to send a message via social media without saying anything. I mean, everybody does it without saying anything. You know, that's the hope. That's going to come before consistent winning or high-level Eastern Conference title chasing, right? That's what happens. You're going to have one of these in their prime high-level players tweet out the intro to one day at a time, which means there's interest in Indy. Cross our fingers because that's what you got to like. But Miami's going to end up being good again. Miami's a great example, though, of what you don't have to have. And maybe, again, it was about matchups. Maybe it was an important run. Just to, again, maybe it was an isolated positive run. Maybe it was so much to do about Jimmy Butler, whatever. But they did it. They did it with a lot of undrafted free agents. They surprised everybody. And it was fun. I can't stand Miami. Can't stand Miami, can't stand the Miami fans. Would I live down there? Probably. Yeah, it looks like a fun place to go. Stays warm all year round. But as far as their team and their fans, I'm not a big fan, but I am a fan of the way they went about their business. Basically, after that initial play-in game all the way through and losing to Denver in the NBA Finals. But I just want to see this Pacer team involved in something more significant next year. So top four, top five, no, nah, I'm not thinking that whatsoever. But to get in, and again, we saw what can happen in a, a play-in format. Just show us, and then not just show us on the floor, but show us in the win-loss column that things are on the right track. And as I mentioned all the time, win games – Win games while you're also getting better. Win games while you're evolving to get better. Not be entertaining and lose. That team, no matter what it looks like, and I'm assuming there's still going to be some adjustments made on this thing. I just don't think it's going to be as stratospheric as I once thought or I think we'd all love to see if they could. But win games, you know, be entertaining and win. I don't want to hear more, you know, be entertaining, but you lose. It'd be great to see, I think, this team, you know, be able to grow together with this young core. Maybe add bits and pieces here. I just can't. The, the whole six and seven year thing further down the road, I'm not, I'm with. Obviously, you want to see consistency, longevity but man it'd be okay if they turned it into the now because i think a lot of you you folks out there have a lot more patience than i'm going to have on this 
And the same will hold true for the Colts. I'll be talking about the same thing, I guarantee, or at least a facsimile of that coming up in the fall. There'll be moments when you go, oh, man, Anthony Richardson, legit, this guy's going to be one of the great ones. And then there are going to be other moments when you're thinking, wait a minute, does he know who's on his team? That is going to happen without question. But I'm okay, along with having a little bit of patience, which I think everybody has had for a while now around here, along with having a little bit of patience, I want to see some some payout. I want to see some payoff. You know, the time that you spend watching, paying attention, calling in here, tweeting me, caring about this, I want everybody, me included, to get some positive payoff on it. I don't want to call it an investment of ours. I guess if you invest your time, your time investment's in one thing. But I want to see some pay out. And the the sooner the better. So if you see me grasping in a week or two coming up in the fall, then so be it. Look what I've done with the Reds. The Reds go 12 consecutive. The Reds lose two straight to the Braves. And while those games... Those games were fun as hell to watch. The two losses as well. I just can't get around thinking, all right, so when is this thing, when's the momentum going to shift and this thing goes south? Just kind of sit around and wait about it. So I, I did grasp. Now, again, 12 consecutive wins is much more to be able to do that with. But we're talking about the Reds, and you just kind of sit back as a Reds fan and and you're conditioned to sit back and wait for the bad. You watch this team and you just wonder, you know, they could get an out here and out there if they had another pitcher here or there. Any other pitching here or there. You know, if instead of, you know, letting somebody park one, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe even a single. Like if they whatever. And unfortunately, Atlanta is a team where you can really gauge how good you are because they bring it in all aspects. And it was a fantastic weekend set. But what it does as you grow, you further get highlighted either what has been a long-term issue that's not fixed or all of a sudden issues. That you're hoping to either get fixed or at least you can go on a little bit of a run. Because clearly to me, the position players out there can swing the bat. Position players with the Reds swing the bat. They can run. They're having a hell of a time. I thought Joey Votto put it well. This might have been on Friday night when he said, you know, I'm playing with a bunch of guys and they run out there and they're really fast. They're really fast at everything they do. And they're having fun. I mean, you could tell that group has a legitimate fun together. De La Cruz kind of added added to that with his overall game. Now, we talked about the cycle a little bit last week, too, which was absolutely an amazing night. But these are examples I bring up where uh, you want I am willing to to embrace the moment, even though the moment is probably not going to be long-lasting. And that's kind of where we are. That's where you are with your favorite teams around here. That's where I am with my favorite baseball team. And there are going to be a lot more moments of that. So, again, forgive me if I will grasp on 
particular moments, weeks in time, a month of play. In the case of the football team, a series. That is the way that it's going to be this year in football. That's going to be expedited once basketball gets here. Uh, By the way, don't forget about Purdue and IU. And, oh, I'm not going to leave Butler out of this either. Butler was incredibly disappointing. Butler was just awful to watch last year. It's tough. It's tough to turn me off of basketball, but Butler was like saying, hey, can you go away? There's nothing to see here. I'm going to figure that out. So I got a lot to talk about in terms of why I do want to expedite the process on winning. And hopefully in these cases, especially in terms of the basketball and the baseball I'm talking about, hopefully we're in a much better place. Hopefully they're in a different place than what they thought. Different place certainly than what I thought going back to April with this Reds team. I mean, really going back a month with this Reds team. And a different spot in terms of Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan, Rick Carlisle, and what they think about this Pacer team. And going out there, going out there making some moves, and we'll see. You know, we saw what Atlanta did. I mentioned that John Collins. John Collins with a $78 million contract. Atlanta just basically said, hey, we need to get under the luxury tax, so we'll take anything. I think Atlanta may have... If I would have been on Utah's team, they would have said, "Give me, uh, give us uh, that, give us that fat old guy and the second round pick, and you guys can have John Collins." And we hear this fat old guy can shoot it on Tuesday nights. Can you go get him? That's basically what Atlanta did. I don't know if there's anything more Atlanta to do. Seems like they still want to get financially in a better spot. I don't know if that means anything regarding DeAndre Hunter. Something we shall watch. Yeah, somebody said earlier, I can't believe any Atlanta fans have to be irate. I don't know how many of them are actually out there to be irate. But they didn't get anything. They just wanted to get rid of a contract of John Collins, and that's that, to Utah reportedly earlier today. All right, we'll talk about that in terms of basketball, in terms of the Pacers moving forward. The next three weeks, level of interest, what do you got there? What do you got? We're going to get to a level of interest that is is somewhat lukewarm, hot, piping hot. Going to get that at all? Because I think the next three weeks around the NBA is going to be fun. I just don't know how much the Pacers are going to be a part of it. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up as well. I mentioned the Colts. We can hit on that, too. Jake Query is going to join us coming up at the top of the hour, 4 o'clock hour, in fact. And Tony East can help figure out exactly what is going on with everything. I mean, financially, with the Pacers stand, you know, one of the highest levels in salary cap space in the NBA. And again, this is something that most of the time all of you are sick and tired of hearing about. I don't blame you. You've been beaten over the head with it. Uh, That and more with Tony East, Pacers draft, maybe targets of interest. A lot of Tobias Harris rumors out there for a year. That makes sense, especially if you don't have to give up anything for it. Know how that would work. Or anything of interest, I should say, for it. Don't know how that would work. Uh, We got a lot for you. On this particular Monday in June, 239-1070 is the number. James, we got stuff to give away today? What? Nothing this week? 
How do we have nothing this week? See, that's what I complain about right here. There are a million concerts going on. How the hell we not have anything to give away? That folks going through cruddy weather yesterday. What am I? I'm out front of two show, two JMV shows lurking in September, and Jack Squat. I'm about to yell at somebody again about that. But what we do have for you. On Wednesday on the road at Walk-Ons downtown, that's a Todd Johnson experience. That is going to be a hell of a time. I can see you down there. That's on South Meridian downtown. Walk-Ons on Thursday. Our tavern tour stop is going to be at the legendary Irias off of college. That's on Thursday. I, I don't even know if I need to promote and tell you to be there. That's absolutely can't miss on Thursday. Of the tavern tour stops we've had, this will automatically vault to the top of the list. That's on Thursday in the 11 up in Grand Park in Westfield. That is coming up on Friday. All right, 239-1070. I get your calls coming up on the other side. Tell you about how we have no concert tickets to give away this week. James is shaking his head. It's not his fault. (laughs) Try to keep everybody active here. Uh, We'll do that, too. Get you inside the lounge via YouTube Live with the conversation there. If you've not been in there, you can. It's a place where you can watch. It's a place where you can listen. It's a place where you can participate. The lounge via YouTube Live. HD Radio, the stream, the app, at 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, James is over there. I'm John. I'm glad you're here. Let's have ourselves a week. Three times we're on the road. Walk-ons Thursday here downtown. Irea's on the near southeast side of downtown off of college and then up in Westfield with the Indy 11. That's coming at you on Friday. Yeah, BT, walk-ons. It's a Todd Johnson joint right there, too. Shout out to Todd. Be down there on Wednesday. Yeah, this time of year is good to get everybody out and about, have a good time. And that's exactly my intentions. You know, it's funny too. I know that um I know that the Reds, my baseball team lost two of three. I believe I still want to bet though, right? That guy bet me that the Braves would sweep them. He did bet that they would is sweep that them. Larry and Anderson? I think so. Or Larry Anderson, the former reliever. No? Larry and Anderson. So I still won that bet. What did I win? Do you remember? I make all these bets, and I can't remember what I won. I think he said he would buy you a drink um, at some sort of outing. Here's the other thing, too. Some of you, and there are two people out there, and I'm not mad at you at all, but it would be great because I'm driving around. I'm like a rolling liquor store most of the time with Heaven Hill Distillery because those that won our Fantasy Football League, it's been in the truck since I went up to uh, Pendleton, to Mystic Waters when he said he was going to be there and he didn't show up. So it'd be great one of these days if you guys come out to an event so I can deliver your bar restock to you. Because every time I turn a corner, I get some jingling going on and jangling going on. A little bottle jingling. I really want to give it to you. I got plenty. I got pl- even with yesterday. Yeah, man, that 
The horn, or the, you call it a horn or a siren. Like I heard two yesterday. There was one I'd never heard in my life before. And then one, I didn't even know anything was happening. I was, hey, DT, you know, music cranked up. I was shirtless all day in the pool as usual. Kind of halfway between floating around in there and passing out or whatever. And all of a sudden I heard that horn. It scared the crap out of me. Uh, but again, I did want to, and there's no jest here. I know a lot of people are dealing with junk today. Uh, and again, we're fortunate that reportedly no injuries were involved in the weather here locally yesterday. But uh, we are thinking about you. I'll tell you what, any of you dealing with stuff today, just join us, for example, at IREAs. Yeah, join me at Walk-Ons. That's Wednesday and Thursday. Walk-Ons Wednesday, IREAs Thursday. And uh, we'll kick back and uh, have some uh, <clears throat> beverages, if you know what I mean. Samples, if you know what I mean. Because you guys deserve it. Yeah, rough day yesterday, weather-wise, both locally and throughout the state. Red's back at it later on tonight against the Orioles. So LSU and Florida, the best of three game one was on Saturday night. It was on the TV in B105.7 when I was doing the gig and playing you the hits that you want to hear, doing what nobody else does, nobody else is allowed to do. I mean, that's right. I mean, we reach out to people that listen to the radio and play what they want to hear, like a reason for them to listen. I know know it sounds like genius, right? Wait a minute. Should we not be doing that anyway? We should. And we do. But the game was on, and so LSU squeaks past. They get an extra innings home run and then hold off Florida. And it's a damn good thing they did because they got absolutely depanched yesterday. I missed a lot of it because our power is off. Like a lot, especially on the south side, a lot of people had power outages yesterday too and still probably do. But 24-4? to and then you couple that with what the Angels did to the Rockies on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. That is some Stratomatic stuff. Love Stratomatic. I mean, that's like what I talk about, you know, taking off the offsides in NHL 95. And you got the final. That game three between LSU and Florida is coming up. Later on tonight, I mentioned the Reds are in Baltimore versus the Orioles, and I know that it didn't work out for them yesterday, but you know, I know you Cubs fans are a bit excited too. I don't know. Does the London games, in this case, do anything for anybody? Do anything for you? Like, you go, and because I've been there, I feel secure in telling you this, you go to London for an NFL game, in this case, the Colts and the Jags. And, you know, there was a lot of juice going on. I couldn't tell, either watching yesterday or on Saturday, if there was any juice whatsoever going for baseball there. It looked to me like every time they went to the overhead shot, what looked like seats that had people sitting in them had nobody sitting in them. I don't know if it was like some kind of, what is it now, AI? Is that AI or is that voice? What do you or mean? Hologram, you know, where they got, you know, just like a hologram of uh, people. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I go guess, for I, you for the technology, and you I stumble, guess, bumble, and fumble over there. I guess you could use AI or something to kind of fill in the seats or CGI or something. <laughs> CGI. I'm not sure. 
they go to the overhead shot and they go, wow, there's a lot of empty seats, but they go to the, the field shot of it and you're thinking, man, this place is packed. So I don't know what that did. Uh, but they're certainly trying it. By the way, the Cubs, Cubs lose yesterday, but the Cubs have been on a run. Three back of the Reds in the Central. Reds half game in front of Milwaukee as they enter tonight's play. And uh, it's too bad St. Louis is eight and a half games back in the cellar. That's too bad. That's the NL Central update for you right there. And I mentioned Reds and Orioles coming up later on tonight. Colton! Is it 239-1070 to lead off this show today? Hello, Colton. Hello. This is Fulton, actually. <laughs> okay. It's one um, more. Fulton? You're Fulton? Yes. All right. Yes, Fulton. Fulton. Uh, you know, my man's all tatted up over there. Sometimes he's a bit hard of hearing. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's all That's good. okay, Jay. What do you got, Fulton? Um, I just want to see about, about um, um, Anthony Richardson. Is he going to be... Um, Going to be throwing the football for one of the players for the Colts. Um, yes, I yes, I hope so. <laughs> Colts fans hope so, Fulton. Yeah, hope he finds those players, those eligible receivers there, and he finds them and throws it to them. Yes, exactly. Because they need they need to score these points and they need to win this Super Bowl. That's what they need to do. Fulton, that is so true. There's no doubt. They need to get better. They need to do what they need to do. They do. They owe you that, Fulton. They owe you that right now. They do. I don't know. It'll be be much longer than how we're representing it right now. But they certainly, uh, as an organization here locally, they owe you that because you're a Colts fan. They do, buddy. I appreciate your call. Exactly. You call again. Sorry we foobarred your name there. It's Fulton, everybody. Uh, Jamin's going to jump on here at 239-1070. Hello, Jamin. Hey, what's going on? I'm sorry. I, I must have missed the beverages like Fulton, but <laughs> I, you were talking about nostalgia earlier. What about the nostalgia of the Hicks versus Knicks? I know you remember that. That's all I, I live for it all the time. You're lying. When are we going to get uh, – what? Sole player like that. What, what are you talking? What are you talking, Jamin? Hold on a second. What are you talking about? Yes, I like the '90s Pacers, but what are we? What, what are you looking for here? I guess what I'm getting at is somebody. Well, we ain't getting Reggie Miller, obviously, but somebody that has got that heart and soul that just puts us up and over the top because it's obvious we're not going to spend the money, and nobody wants to come to Indiana. Well, you're just Jamin. What compelled you to call and be Debbie Downer to me? I'm sorry, buddy. You were talking about some old times, and I was waiting that long. And because you're not giving out tickets, I just thought I was doing your day. <laughs> <laughs> Jamin, that's a hell of a call. I appreciate that. <laughs> because I'm not giving away tickets, he thought he would just ruin my day. Well done. Well done. Nah, and to answer his question, I don't know who's kind of jacking around there. Uh, but to answer his question, that's what their belief and hope that Halliburton is one of those transformational. And I'll use that in terms of transformational. That's that's overused. Um, and I know we're talking about, you know, elite level, you know, Giannis Tatum transformational guys. And, you know, maybe he doesn't get to that 
particular level, but I think I think everybody believes he can be in the zip code. And this is my expectation. I don't know if this is going to play out, bear out whatsoever, but the expectation is that he is a guy where others will gravitate. Now, what Jamin also said holds true. You know, guys will gravitate, and that's great. Hey, I love playing with him. I love playing with dudes, too. But if one team's going to give me more money, then I'm still probably going to go play for that team. So this is going to be two avenues that have to step up here. And that is one with the player, a viable option, somebody that others would want to play with. In this case, Tyrese Halliburton, and then organizationally doing everything right. Not screwing stuff up. And being able to you know, support bringing others in, if indeed that's the case, because we've talked about this forever. And frankly, I can't tell you that that's going to be true because I haven't seen it be true. I guess at the end of careers in the 90s, you can talk about, you know, you know Perkins coming in or you can talk about Chris Mullen coming in. But this is one of those things where you have to see it to believe it. But I, I expect, I expect that. I expect a high level of play. And there is something to be said about Halliburton being a elite level willing I said this with Hagen last night on 59, elite level and willing. That's what's going to be different. That's what he's been so far. Give me Matthew in Maine inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Hello, Matthew. How are you? I'm well. I'm glad you're well, Matthew. Go ahead. All right. So I know you're going to have Jake on. I am. And he may not know this. I'm a little concerned about Grosjean. He's having a rough stretch here in IndyCar. I'll have to ask him that. I think he's had a rough he's had a rough stretch from the beginning. It just seems like he like ro- he rolled up. He got in his he got in his ride, got out of the garage area, right? And then everybody hates his guts. <laughs> I think the moment he fires it up, <laughs> everybody hates him. I will say this, there's no, there's nothing wrong with having that. And I've often said that you need kind of that that heelish, and that's why Will Power week before last, you know, getting mad at Dixon, pushing Dixon, uh, the double birds flying again. I mean, it's one thing for me, Matthew, to sit here and say, you know, that's really good to have that that negative influence um, for public perception, you know, to give you both sides because you know normally we just talk about these guys being incredibly nice dudes, down to earth, will talk to us. You know, and I, I look at that in terms of, well, that's really going to help IndyCar if you can get another side to it, maybe a polarizing side. But it never seems to work out that way. I don't know if they have enough right now in IndyCar to make anything transform into polarizing. There's a lot of work to do with that. Seems like we've been waiting for that forever. Mm, yeah, agreed. Right, Matthew, good call on Saturday night, too, as always. Oh, yes. Thank you. All right. Jump inside the lounge. Make sure order is restored after last Friday inside the lounge. All right. All right. I will try my best. So Matthew in Maine, friend of the show. Jake Query, as Matthew mentioned, joins us coming up at the top of the hour. (laughs) Chris. (laughs) 
Uh, Yaney writes this, it's been truly a great thing to witness what's been going on with the Reds the past two-plus weeks. This will be a two- to three-week stretch to remember for Reds fans and cling for hope. Really, though, they may hang on for a bit. Uh, much love on vacation. That is Yaney. Listen, I would love for Yaney to be inaccurate. But let's face it, as Reds fans, that's what you expect. I love it. They're fun to watch. But as far as being not a 12-consecutive-win team, but just a viable contender atop that division the rest of the way, especially the way that pitching looks, again, there's something else you got to see to believe, and that is – especially significant with the Reds. It has been fun as hell. But let's face it, Reds fans, you just kind of sit and wait, don't you, a little bit. Quick break and we shall return. Top of the hour. I love this, Reef. Paul George shipping out of L.A. soon. The Knicks are interested, I hear. Was it uh, Evan Sidery that mentioned on the show last week about Paul George? Yeah. <laughs> that was outstanding. I was trying to digest that still over the weekend. A quick one. We shall return. Jake Query, Tony East, all still to come. Don't go away. Inside the lounge for YouTube Live. The stream, the app, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Get him a body bag! Yeah! <laughs> 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, Jamin trying to stick it to me because I don't have concert tickets this week to give away. I gotta shake my fist over that too. We gotta do it. A good show yesterday, I guess. Brown County Music Center had Nick Lowe open up for Elvis Costello and the Imposters, everybody. Not bad right there. What'd you have at uh, Ruoff on Saturday night? TLC and Shaggy and In Vogue. Could have been somebody else in the mix. Yeah, Sean Kingston. What's his name? Sean Kingston? Sean Kingston uh, was there as well. Saturday night. Yeah, you get the Reds and Orioles tonight. A very light schedule in Major League Baseball. Uh, no Cubs, no Cardinals as they make that trek back from London in those couple of games uh, in that London series over the weekend. White Sox, however, on the road at the Angels. That is a 9.38 start later on tonight. Reds and Orioles are underway at 7.05. The Reds losers now two consecutive after winning 12 consecutive games. And just tripping the light fantastic for me. Was it last week when I was out and they called and wanted to get Spencer Steer on last week? Is that when it was? Yeah. Oh, just, isn't that great? <laughs> nice timing, numbnuts. That's me, by the way. That's me calling me that. <laughs> Let me take off today. Oh, yeah, we can get him on today. Okay, well, the host is off. Okay. Well done by me. Good timing. Yeah, Corey, we already did Dave Matthews Band tickets, but yeah, that's coming up. What? This this weekend or this week, I think Dave Matthews is out there too, no doubt. Uh, JMV, are you hoarding all the Heaven Hill bourbon in India? I can't find it on the shelves. I can definitely help you out, Jamie. I 
the truth be told, I could probably drink until doomsday and uh, still have some remaining. It's kind of how it is here. Damon Dobbs says, hey, JMV, so we're halfway through the season, five weeks from the trade deadline, and looking at the week in El Central, I know probably only one team will make the postseason. When do you throw in the towel and sell off players? I hate this part. More dynasty or no more dynasties. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, for some teams like the Cardinals, I think the problem you have with the Cardinals, the Cardinals always kick it into gear in August and September. So that would be going against the – I'm assuming that the Cardinals would have to show something coming off of that win yesterday significant not to be out there and selling. And you got a myriad of other teams, a lot of surprise teams, a lot of good teams that may end up, or so-called good teams, what we thought were going to be good teams selling prior to the trade deadline. Quick break and we shall return. Josh is on hold inside the lounge via YouTube Live where there is fascinating conversation going on. Jump in there with Peaches. They're trying to argue Paul George getting back here. (laughs) Jump in there. Add some insight. Tony East in the 5 o'clock hour. You will not want to miss that. And Jake Query, the morning show, joins us next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I don't know what the hell's in there. It's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Tony East is going to be here in the 5 o'clock hour. He'll explain... He'll explain what is feasible that the Pacers could try to do coming up in the next three weeks. What is feasible roster-wise in terms of free agency, maybe with the trade, what they might be thinking about doing in terms of Buddy Heald, if anything, Chris Duarte, Jalen Smith, And I know that Isaiah Jackson's been in that mix, too. I can't imagine. I guess the same thing holds true for Chris Duarte, though. I mean, two dudes that everybody was talking about. Hey, this is great. Going to move forward. Maybe Duarte certainly less than Jackson. There was a point in time when everybody talked about Isaiah Jackson this and Isaiah Jackson that. He's going to be the guy. He's better than Miles. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And they hear that. And now people bring up, well, they got too many bigs. Maybe he ends up being the odd man out. It is funny how things go sometimes. Uh, Tony East in the 5 o'clock hour, but on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, His partner has been broadcasting live from the ultra-crappy state of Michigan. I know, Traverse City, great. Uh, He's been home-based here, downtown. He will be for the rest of the week, Jake Query. Well, the morning show, Kevin Inquiry on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So, Kev's in Michigan, huh? He is in uh, Spider Lake, which I had never heard of until today. A Fire That's Lake? Apparently- That's a Bob Seger song. Did you say Spider or Fire Lake? No, Fire Lake uh, is Seger. Spider okay. Lake, uh, presumably it has eight fingers or arms that go off of the lake, I guess, which would be why it would be called Spider Lake. Hey, Spider. Every time I hear the word spider, I think of Joe Pesci's role in Goodfellas. Hey, Spider. So you're not a fan of Michigan? I think Michigan sucks. My only thing with Michigan is this. 
Michigan's cool. I got no problem with Michigan, except for that I don't know why this is, but at least in lower southern Michigan, they don't mow the medians. Like every every median in Michigan looks like 25th and Shadeland. It's like, can somebody come out and, and just landscape it a little bit and like make it look like you're having an effort to keep it clean? Yeah, they don't have weed eaters in Michigan, Jake. But I, I will say this, though. Dr. Motman grew up in Grand Rapids, went to Michigan State undergrad, and went to Wayne State Medical School. And Yeah, there's a, that's like it. a trio of suck right there. <laughs> it is. It is, except for that. <laughs> Except for that when I went in and said, look, my heart's got 100% clot in it, he figured out how to take a coat hanger through it and break the clot, so that worked. So in that regard, what, what, what did he get at Wayne State University? What? That's where he went to medical school. Oh, wow. Is that a big – Wayne State University, a big medical school deal up there? So apparently it's the biggest medical school in the state of Michigan. I had no idea. Yeah, I've nor did I. I was like, really? Wayne State? Okay, sure. I, You know, it's like a – I thought it was like a commuter school, but he's like, no, it's the largest medical school in the state of Michigan. And I said, okay, sure, sounds good. Um, but clearly they, they taught him right. That's all I know is because, like I said, he can he can thread something through an aorta. He's got to be doing something right. And no doubt about that. That takes a special skill. Uh, he's seen you both inside and out. That's fantastic. <laughs> he has that. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Somebody uh, but- tried to tell me once, actually, no names mentioned here, but um, somebody offered me a cigar once in front of Mottman, and I said, "Man, I can't have I can't have a cigar yet until this guy tells me I can't." And they said, "Well, why can't he have a cigar?" And Mottman said, "Well, I put a stent in his heart, so probably be good for another six months if he waits it out." And the person said, "Well, what are your qualifications?" <laughs> well, I, I think the qualifications are: I just put a stent in his heart. That sounds like a pretty good qualification. That is that's outstanding, right there. It is. It's uh, yeah. Jake Quay with us. Uh, Kevin Bowen's up in uh, Michigan, Spider Lake. Evidently, we'll make fun of that coming up on Wednesday with Kev. I'm sure. I didn't want to get to this before we got to the noteworthy sports news items, both uh, here locally and uh, throughout the nation. But you tweeted something. You and I were going back and forth. I was done with the Jamby takeover on Saturday. I got home about 2 in the morning, um, and we were tweeting back and forth, I think, after that time. And that's basically around 2.30 when things uh, incredibly unfortunate and tragic went down in Broad Ripple. And, and we're both really close friends to Rob Sabatini. Um, who has uh, what uh, Mineshaft, Average Joe's, and Rock Lobster there uh, for basically the past, I don't know, 30 years or so. I know that yeah. they're celebrating that going on right now. Uh, and along with, you know, with, with others, because I do a lot of remotes up there, especially during the football season, um, I, it, it's all too familiar story. It just is. John, I think what happened was, and I don't know what, what, what is – to be done about this. You know, I mentioned this morning, you know, Broderpool to me, I mean, I worked in Broderpool for years in the cigar store on, on Broderpool Avenue. I spent the better part, you know, I watched all the great Pacers, Knicks games and, you know, just the coming of age with your buddies and everything. And yep. all those, all those places. I mean, you mentioned Sabatini's place in the Vogue and old pros table and, you know, all of it. It right? was a rite of passage to see a girl pee in the men's room sink. That is true. That is true. The alley cap. You can probably see that nightly, the alley cap. But I love the alley cap. They're all great. Yeah. They're all great establishments. And 
I, I really think, you know, there are two things that come into play here. The first is, and I think this is easy to forget, but as I was telling my buddies, I'm like, you know, in 1995, when I was going to Broderpool, my parents were both natives of Indianapolis. You know, Broderpool to them was where, you know, you had G.C. Murphy's general store and the movie theater and, and the hardware store. You know, it was a, it was a little town. And, you know, I'm sure they were like, wow, like kids go there for bars now. That's cool, you know, et cetera. But the places that my parents had gone in their 20s or 30s, were passe. I mean, they weren't places that I went to in my 20s and 30s. There's an evolution that takes place there. I understand that. But Broderpool was a viable nightlife opportunity and, and option, I guess you'd say, for people. Always has been for the last 30 years. Still yeah, is. It is. But I think when the Super Bowl happened, John, the the city of Indianapolis, and I understand it, but I think that they took a lot of the the areas that were troubled, I'll say that. The troubled areas are the troubled hot spots in downtown. They wanted to clean them up. And they kind of pushed that that audience outward. And, you know, they cleaned up Mass Ave and they redid Fountain Square and they made the south strip of Meridian there before they had some problems there. They cleaned that, all, that area up. And then the people that, you know, I mean, people still have to have places to go. And I think some of the troubled areas moved north into Broderpool. And it's been tough for Broderpool to to escape that. I still want to let people know I love Broderpool. I love going to dinner there. I think it's still, uh, admittedly, after 11 or 12 o'clock at night, things clearly are troublesome. There's no doubt about it. But it shouldn't stop people from feeling welcome to go there for lunch, for afternoon shopping on the weekends, to go to the shop on Broderpool Avenue, to go to Union Jacks for dinner, um, to enjoy you know an afternoon lunch. Or, or even, I mean, I go and... And have a beer after dinner on my, you know. I think I did three shows the last eight, six eight or times. so months there. I was at uh, yeah, Broad I mean, Ripple, yeah, Broad Ripple Tavern, Alley Cat. We were at uh, Average Joe's. Been all over up there. Yeah, I mean, th- there are a couple of troubled areas for sure, and there are clearly people that are that are. And you know, when I was going out there in my twenties, there were always like knucklehead. We call them the bridge kids back then. But you know, there were always people that were troubled hanging out in Broad Ripple. They just weren't carrying guns. And I don't want to get into the gun conversation. It's a no-win conversation. Nobody's mind is going to be changed. But, you know, that, that's clearly an issue. Uh, I'm not saying guns are the issue, but people carrying them is an issue. And, um, you know, and it's it's become troublesome. And it's, like I said in my tweet, there, there's no other way to say it other than it pisses you off. Because it was a great and, and still is a great area of Indianapolis with a lot of great people. And, unfortunately, a small minority are making it troublesome and making it less desirable for a lot of people that have enjoyed it greatly yeah it um it it certainly was i mean i know my early stages before uh turning 21 with a fake and then uh after that you know that was just (laughs) that was that was always a rite of pass i mean hell look where i'm from it was like a rite of passage yeah you got to go to broad ripple you got to see broad ripple you got to do that and uh yeah, it um, it certainly is uh, a lot different now. But um, there's so many people up there we love, we enjoy, you know, totally. being with, hanging out with. I, I mean, there's. I want to do um, a rock lobster. I want to get there and DJ on a Friday night at some point. Now again, John, I'd be out of there by nine just because I get tired. But <laughs> well, you know, Rob Sabatini that owns those three bars. Yes, you're not going to find anybody on the north side of Indianapolis that works harder to to make three establishments enjoyable and welcoming for everybody, for everybody, anybody that wants to come and have a good time and hang out with their friends and meet people and socialize. Rob Sabatini wants that for everybody. And, and 
it's a shame that there are, you know, a small percentage of knuckleheads, not even in his establishments, not really in any of the establishments, just along the strip outside these places that are ruining it for everybody. It sucks. It sucks because guys like Rob work their tail off. They they love everybody. They, they just want people to have an opportunity to come and meet their neighbors, meet their friends, and hang out and have a good time. And, you know, same with Old Pro's Table, same with Broadable Tavern, same with the Vogue. I mean, there's plenty of places around there that are just being victimized by knuckleheads, and it's, a, it's just a shame. So Jake Query, The Morning Show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I brought this up uh, also at the outset of the show. Uh, I get caught up sometimes. Like, I was with the Reds. I still am with the Reds. I mean, two consecutive losses. Um, and didn't expect anything whatsoever. Maybe the worst record in MLB this year. They won 12 consecutive half game in front of the NL Central end of June. I dig that. Um, the Pacers gave us that last December, uh, which was a, a bit inspiring with winning. They got everybody excited. I assume that the Colts are going to give you moments of, oh, wow, and then moments of regret this season. Is that going to be enough for everybody to maintain, or is there still going to be a patience factor with our local teams? Because we have witnessed, the fans here have witnessed a hell of a lot of losing over the years. Well, I think the Pacers ripped one more page off of that calendar. I think they're I think they're a step ahead of the Colts in that regard. In other words, the, the Pacers and Colts both reached a point where they just said, look, we, we got to start this whole thing over again. And from the basketball side of things, I think the Pacers, and it's easier to do with only five guys as opposed to, you know, a bigger roster, but the Pacers took a big step last year. And they at least, what the Pacers did last year is they not only showed a foundation, but then they went out and they showed that that foundation does indeed have some roots to it with Halliburton and Matherin. You know, you see these guys can play. So now it's a matter of just cultivating it and watching it grow before us. The Colts, on the other hand, have laid before us on paper the foundation, Anthony Richardson and, you know, maybe Alec Pierce and and some of the younger players they have. But now they are – this is the season where we see whether or not that is a group that they can cultivate. And we're going to find out whether or not this is the direction is the right one and whether or not then – in fact, Colts fans need to be patient for a year of the growing pains and whether or not they have the right pieces. The Pacers, clearly the pieces the Pacers decided to go with, have shown them promise. The Colts have to hope now this year that that promise is also shown by on-field production from the young players that very clearly we can see they've selected. We just haven't seen what they can do. No, I, I definitely think that you got to show some things. I mean, it's, it's kind of like what the Pacers went through, as we've talked yeah, about a sure. year ago. Where um, with, with the Colts, though, it's different because there have been so many promises, broken promises, uh, things that uh, they never got done. It's been a long time now. So something more long-lasting, I think, is needed here. I just don't think – somebody asked me yesterday what I thought their record was going to be, and I said somewhere in the neighborhood of six wins, right? Um, yeah, I'd say seven, yeah. I, I will seven. say this, though. Their schedule – is conducive for them to be competitive. Totally agree. And that, I mean, is that should that help? Oh, it absolutely should help. Of course. I mean, it, it, that's why the, the league is set up that way. You have a disastrous year. The league is set up for the next season to be more favorable for you, so that you can bounce back. I, I think the difference in this market between the Colts and the Pacers, and the way that the fans 
you know, the perceptions of it. The Pacers made – Kevin Pritchard came out and made no bones about it. Kevin Pritchard came out and said – because he knew fans were getting restless with, with just being stuck in that seven to eight seat every year. And he came out and said, look, here's the bottom line, guys. We get it. We get it, and it sucks, but we're going to suck for a while. And we're not going to be very good, and we've got to, we're tearing this thing down and building it back up, and we just hope you get on board with this. And I think people appreciated that transparency. And Chris Ballard – routinely was, well, you guys don't know what you're talking about, and, and I do. And I'll give Chris Ballard credit because last year, for the first time, he came out and said, you know what, I, I made, I erred. We had a bad year, and it's on me, and I didn't address areas that I needed to, and now I'm going to. And I think fans will appreciate that transparency. I just think the Colts were a year behind um, where the Pacers are in terms of these two these two respective, essentially, rebuilds. The, the Colts are, you know, they're following suit now and hoping for the same type of results. But I would agree with you. I think the schedule is favorable, and you just never know. There's always a couple of teams that come out of nowhere. There's always a couple of teams that, are, that you think are going to be good or terrible. You can never know with injuries. But I think 7-10, and 6-11, and 11, you know, 8-9, and nine, I, you know, those are all pretty realistic. If they, if a couple of ball, you know, you look at the first year of Andrew Luck, John, we've talked about it before. The first year of Andrew Luck and, you know, Chuck Pagano leaves and Arians comes in and you have turmoil, but literally every ball bounced their way. A lot of it was kudos and credit to that team and their veteran leadership. Reggie Wayne was huge that year. But things went their way, and they also had a stretch where they went like four straight weeks playing the other team's backup or third-string quarterback due to injuries. Things just went their way. Sometimes you need some luck and you don't apologize for it. No doubt. Uh, Jake Quarry with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So what are you saying, around seven, sitting here right now with me? Is that what you think? I would say seven. Yeah. If I had to pick it, I'd say seven. I'd put the over and under. I'd put the over and under for the Colts at seven and a half. I don't know how hot that ticket's going to be. Kind of funny. I was looking at ticket prices right now. Uh, they go as low as $21. Uh, that is the January 7th game against Houston. Of course, 423 is uh, that ticket price in Frankfurt, Germany. That's right. I'm just looking at it uh, as of right now uh, next to these particular games. But it is it is a schedule. At least you can be competitive. So, Are you going to Germany? Are you going to Germany for that game? I have not been told yet. I haven't been told anything yet. So I don't know. You know what? If, my if, big mouth is made. Right. Maybe my big mouth got me in trouble on a variety of fronts. That remains to be seen. What, what if what if we did this? If we don't go, what if we just do a remote from Frankfurt, Indiana? Can well, we just get a bunch of people to watch the Colts game in Frankfurt, Indiana? Or the Rathskeller. Or Schnitzelbank. <laughs> The Raskeller is more convenient for certain, <laughs> no, right? Uh, we go to Jasper and go to the Schnitzelbach and do it down there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's funny, you look at that on the schedule, that's November the 12th, right? And you, you kind of wonder... You kind of wonder if there will be an inspiration in ticket sales if they win some games that you didn't think, or they're having a type of early season you didn't think they were going to have. It's going to be interesting to see. Maybe people are a little bit apprehensive right now to go at that. Kind of a wait-and-see situation, I guess. Yeah, you know, you always hear people that are like, well, I'm going to turn in my tickets or surrender when it comes down to it, people are still going to do their tickets. They're still going to go because it's only eight, 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 you know, what is it, eight games a year, eight yeah. home games a year? Right. People don't want to miss out. And, and you also don't want to miss out because in the NFL, it's very rare, you know, unless you are 
I mean, I guess the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions, but it's very rare that you are terrible for more than like two or three consecutive years. So especially in this market, people don't want to bypass and turn in their season tickets because they're, they're terrified. You know, I mean, what if you do? And then all of a sudden, boom, Anthony Richardson turns out to be the real deal. And you've got eight to 10 years of fabulous entertainment. Like they've, like we've seen in the past with different quarterbacks. People don't want to miss out on that. Next three weeks here. We didn't have fireworks last Thursday. Um, you know, obviously, you, with your conversation you and Kevin had with Chad Buchanan, uh, you know, Chad mentioned that they were working things behind the scenes, things that just did not come to fruition. You think we will see some roster maneuvering? You know, more of a fireworks, a lukewarm fireworks display coming up here in the next three weeks. You think? I actually do. You know, Chad Buchanan kind of alluded to that because I asked him, I think at one point, like, are you done now? And he said, no, I think we're still active. So, you know, they have some pieces in terms of future picks and and flexibility. I mean, Duarte, as you mentioned, and probably Isaiah Jackson or or Jalen Smith are guys that you would think if someone gave – I think they're still intrigued by Isaiah Jackson. I really do. But – Jalen Smith last year, while he had moments and, and was a really good player two years ago, I think he he was a bit of a disappointment last year once they signed him. And poor Duarte, I mean, this is a guy that, that was thought to be kind of a centerpiece, and I think he's – and I, I hate saying this to knock on him because he's a, he's a multi-talented guy and he's seemingly a good teammate, but he feels to me like the kind of guy that we figured out. If he's giving you 20 a game, you're probably not very good if he's your centerpiece. So – you know, he just kind of gets edged out. I, I just don't know what the, the market is for any of those guys. You probably have to package. They do have, obviously, an extra pick for next year. It's going to be in the 20s somewhere. Um, you know, could they get, as Kevin mentioned this morning, you know, could they go out and get a Harrison Barnes or, or someone of that ilk, possibly? Um, O'Shea Brissett is also another possibility because he plays a position that they could, you know, he could back up now. And, and maybe groom Walker Buchanan did say Chad Buchanan did say to us that they really like having at least one just guy that contributes in terms of veteran leadership versus on court stuff. You know, Johnson was at a year ago. I think Brissett can be that kind of guy and he's not going to be overly expensive and he's out there and nobody else to my knowledge has, has talked about signing him. So I, I think John, there will be, there could still be a move or two, but I don't think they're going to be seismic. I think they're going to be, accessories that are added to what is the main core. Think there's any way that Oscar Shibway at some point unseats somebody on that roster. And, and here's why I bring this up. I'm not suggesting this is going to happen. I'm not suggesting this will occur, but he is a, yeah, he's a dude when it comes to rebounding and oh, this team rebounding wise stink, stank and stunk at it. And I'm not again suggesting this year because, you know, there's going to be a lot of time before he can possibly prove that. But I guess if I were to ask you this, is there an opportunity because of his rebounding prowess for him to unseat somebody ultimately on this roster? I think there is because I think it's coveted. I mean, you look at, and I realize it's you know, a little bit of a different era, but like Alizé Johnson, you know, he lasted and got plenty of, of minutes with the Pacers because he could rebound. I mean, that was his thing, right? Um and that I, I think that if you are a specialty guy like that and you can do it as well as anybody in the league, um, and I'm not saying that that's what he's going to be able to do, but, I mean, that's what his specialties in college, he did it as well as anybody in the country. If he can come in and give them spot rebounding, then, yeah, that's an area of need for them. I mean, no question about it. I, he might be a little undersized, 
Um, but he's going to get an opportunity, I, I think. I mean, not an opportunity right away to start, but I think he's going to get an opportunity to show what he can do. He's going to be on a two-way contract. And I think early on they probably will get him some minutes before Carlisle you know, shortens his rotation, and, and they'll give him a good look and see what can be there. And, and it is a, an area of need. So anytime that you come in and your specialty is one that the team is lacking in, that's a huge advantage for you. And, it, and I'm assuming that's part of the reason why Indiana was the team he signed with. So Jake Query, who is with us, seems like that there were a lot of people, and and I understand it. I mean, IU fans got up in arms. Why was it so hard to understand that uh, the the better spot was Golden State for him? I mean, you you don't want him to be you know drafted here over somebody you're going to send overseas uh, because he played well for four years at IU or because he was Mister Basketball. You want him to go someplace where he has a legitimate opportunity, and that's what he got. Why weren't people happy? A lot of IU fans unhappy with the way he was treated in that draft. I I think probably because they didn't know the full scenario, which I think that scenario was once it got to a certain point in the draft, you know, I I think, I mean, Chad Buchanan said it. I mean, Indiana, you know, whether it was Jackson Davis himself or probably more likely his representatives said, listen, unless you are planning on putting him on a full-time contract, then we would opt that you not draft him. And as Buchanan said, we didn't want to draft a guy here that, that didn't want to be here. And I think they understood also. Now, the one area which had Buchanan that, I mean, who am I to disagree with him? He's the general manager of the team. But when he said Trace Jackson Davis was coming in at a position that they were already full, I, they're full at the five. I, I thought, I think he can play the four. And there was opportunity probably as a backup at the four for the Pacers, but they may not feel like he defensively can, can guard far enough out from the basket to play the four. So maybe they're thinking he is strictly a five, but I think he didn't want to go on a two-way contract. They were assuming that drafting at 55, they wanted a player who could go on a two-way contract. So they opted to go elsewhere. And then of course he ends up at golden state where he's had a great opportunity because he's going to be the biggest guy on their roster you have yet to see what happens with Draymond Green, but I do think he has passing from the post-type capability that Green does. I don't know that he can play the high-low as well as Draymond Green, but I think he's going to have a great opportunity in Golden State. And if I'm Trace Jackson Davis, and I think sometimes, John, it's good for guys to get away from home a little bit, especially when their father played for that franchise. That's a lot of pressure on a guy. So I would be perfectly – if I'm Trace Jackson Davis, I'm thrilled. I get to live in the Bay Area. I get to play with one of the great guards of all time. I get to play with one of the great outside shooters of all time. And I play for an organization that has a history of being able to utilize guys at my position to facilitate those shooters. I'd be thrilled with it. Was, um, I was absolutely thrilled when I learned that Golden State got back in to get him at 57. I don't know if it's going to, to pan out. I don't know how long. If it does pan out initially, it might go. It may end up being like you know, like Jordan Bell, for example. When he kind of, he was in that starting lineup with Golden State for maybe a year or two, and then, you know, faded away as a a second round selection in somebody that was a rim runner, played some defense and rebounded as well, and clearly that's what they're going to call upon him. But to get the opportunity to at least make yourself known, make a statement, get yourself some clock, and then be a part of a winning all-or-nothing organization when you first come out of college, and again, given your circumstances. At the end of Thursday night, early Friday morning, could not have turned out any better for him on the surface. Not any better. I've also always felt like, John, you get to a point in the draft where 
if you're not going to be drafted, like you get to a point in the draft where you're like, you know what, at this point I'm better off being a free agent because I can pick the situation most advantageous for me. And he was getting close to that. But as it turns out, he ended up getting drafted to the situation most advantageous for him. So worked out well for Jackson Davis in the end. Hey, really quick, I got to go really quick. I'm going to ask you this, and we'll remember this. File it away and go to it next time you're on. I wanted to ask you this, and I'm saying really quick, and I'm going long-winded right here, but if you were going to choose a decade in which you've already lived or a decade in which you did not live that you would like to experience either again or for the first time, what decade would it be, Jay Query? I think the 20s would be fascinating, except for that the back end of it really sucked. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. You know, I, I, think, yeah. I think it would be the 90s because I think I would want to stop and smell the roses even more than I did. Um, but we're always nostalgic for situations in our 20s. But I, I did love the 90s. From a personal standpoint, it would be that. But from a societal standpoint and just in terms of the culture of the music and, and, and everything else, I, I think the 20s would be fascinating. But there was an era that wasn't fascinating for all people, and for that reason, it would be hard for me to probably thoroughly enjoy it. The, 1970, the 1970s. Let's think about yeah, that. The 70s, the 70s would be up there, too. I, I, polyester doesn't jive real well with me. You'd probably have to have a lot of gold bond powder, but... Um, but other than that, it'd be cool. I, mean, I can see me with a porn stash, bare-chested, <laughs> laying on a bearskin rug, and, and, and eating uh, eating uh, things I'm dipping in cheese. That sounds like Ron Burgundy stuff right there, but it's not. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the 1970s personified, right? <laughs> that's me. I think gas was only 27 cents a gallon for the vast majority of it. Exactly, but you know, unfortunately, for the gallon. people forget it was 27 cents a gallon, but you only had like 20 cents in your pocket back then, too. So sure. that was and even. you had a Ford LTD that got four and a half miles to the gallon. You know, everybody felt that Brute by Fabergé smelled great then, too. What's the turnoff now? I, th- I still think Brute smells great. I think it smells like a dude. Why Why is it such a turnoff? <laughs> <laughs> because it's also 27 cents a gallon. <laughs> I mean, they put it, you ever go to, go to Kroger or to CVS, it's on the bottom damn shelf. It's like, all right, <laughs> if you're trying, <laughs> this is your last resort. If you have BO and you can't get anything else, here's your last resort down there. There it is. How about uh, Skin Bracer? Did you like Skin Bracer? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was an aftershave, not a cologne, but still. Yes, absolutely. So It smells like freshness. Aqua Velva? I put all that on me. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. I think think Brute smells smells like a dude. (laughs) It's like you announce your presence with authority. Like, I give you this. If you smell Dracar before the person wearing Dracar gets there, you know that you're going to be talking to a douche, right? That's how it it, it announces the douche's presence with authority. But Brute announces a dude's presence. Like said, here comes the dude. And he's ready to smoke some cigarettes. This way, if you smell brute, Sam Elliott's walking around the corner. <laughs> right? He, he got a carton of cigarettes and he's ready to rock. What are we into tonight? Yeah. All right, you got uh, and you got a little Samson family business to take care of tomorrow morning out here, correct? I do Kelvin Sampson's son, who's an assistant at Houston, and was the guy that worked a lot with 
Walker is going to mm-hmm. join us tomorrow to find out more about what the Pacers are getting. So that's one of the conversations we will get into tomorrow. Tony East is going to join us as well. Got it, buddy. I appreciate you, Dake, man. We'll talk later on this week. Hey, come down if you can. Walk-ons Wednesday, um, Irea's Thursday. Good times. Ooh, Irea's. Love that, man. And walk-ons, too. Both of them. I'll probably see, see you at one of them. Got it, buddy. I appreciate you. I will right, we'll see you. Yeah, it's uh, Jake Query. Why not? Why, why is Why is Brute considered such... A non-favorable scent. Here comes the dude. The dude is here. Brute. All right, quick one. Tony East, top of the hour. I got a lot to talk about there in terms of salary cap space, next three weeks, free agency, roster management, stuff like yet. Tony joins us at five. You and me next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. We're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? It should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Shout out to Todd Meyer, who just got me all brooded up here. I smell like a man. I smell good. I'll wear some Brute on Wednesday and Thursday at walk-ons and uh, going to Irea's and... uh, yeah, ladies, come on by, and you can smell. See, okay, does it smell like a man, or does it smell like it deserved to be on the bottom of the shelf at CVS, Walgreens, or Kroger? I'm just curious. I just think it it announces it announces my manliness with authority is what it does. Here comes the man. Also, a shout out to Aaliyah Boston, the Pacer rookie, WNBA All Star starter. And I'll be honest with you. Did you guys see the drop step power move where she basically cleared everybody out of the lane? I think that was the other night against Las Vegas. I would have put her as a starter on the all-star team for that move alone. I mean, just discarding defenders. That was, it is one of the more impressive power moves that I have seen. Just, hey, get out of my way. But that is pretty awesome. Let's go back and see that. I think that Saturday night, I believe, is when it was. WNBA All-Star Game starter. Uh, the awesome Jennifer Berger chimes in. I saved my dad's last bottle of Old Spice. I used Brute in the past, too. I liked when Brute sponsored NHRA. Oh, I'm sorry. It was on a car. <laughs> it's legit, everybody. Jim McCann in Southern California regarding the Reds. They need to be buyers for a starring pitcher. I I will say this. I don't want them to screw with a lot of, you know, those everyday type of guys on this team. They, again, my sample size, especially is the last 14 games, but, and we all know this, it's more fun. You have more fun when you win. 
most of the time it's dreadful when you lose. I mean, just look around here and how you felt over recent history, right? Or ask a Reds fan how they felt. I know this is easy to say, but it looks like these guys, the thing that I like the most outside of winning 12 consecutive being enjoyable to watch is the enjoyment that you see that cannot be faked that they love being around one another. I love that in the dugout. Top step, active. Uh, trying to to push your teammates. I, I just I love that. I guess that's one of the reasons why I love college baseball too. I mean, on the top step, always active. You know, nobody's sitting down there. The half-assing stuff on the bench, not paying attention. It just, I love that. And I especially love it when it happens pre-All-Star break. Because most of the time you go, yeah, whatever, end of June, who cares? And see, I don't want to hear that from anybody else because for Reds fans, it has been so few and far between. We are allowed to soak this up. And I've said, I said this in the early stages of that 12-gamer. You are allowed to soak this up. Don't let anybody break your stride. Don't let anybody slow you down. You got to keep on moving. That's probably what? Win number two of the 12 right there? When you're a Reds fan, you know you have to embrace the embraceables. That has been it. Man, no doubt about that. All right, 239-1070. Uh, Artie's going to jump in here before the break. Hello, Artie. Hey, JMB. I uh, jumped in the car and heard you talking to Jay Query about Brute, and then he said, why does nobody care about Brute anymore? I started laughing. I had to call in because when I was in high school, my dad wore that stuff, and I thought it smelled awesome, too. I'm totally with you. So oh, yes. I had some, right? I had the aftershave and all that yes. stuff. Yes. I remember wearing it to, like, a party. And, uh, you know, mixed company with it. I just, I'll never forget this girl who's close and goes, hey, who smells like Brute around here? And I, I didn't quite say anything because I wasn't sure where it was going. She goes, yeah, well, whoever it is, you smell like my dad. And the, the look on her face was like, <laughs> that's not a good thing. And that was the last time I ever wore Brute, man. So I think that's what's happened is uh, everybody who wears Brute now smells like everybody who cares dad. Yeah, so. I mean, yes. It, uh, listen, so – I, I don't understand that. I think we need to change the image on Brute. I mean, it's a manly... I'll give you a great example. My kid paid 100 bucks for a bottle of Dior Sauvage. And I'm thinking, what's to this? Well, there's nothing to do this. What's so great about this? It doesn't announce your presence with authority when you're walking into a room. I mean, you can barely even... I mean, you kind of wonder why you just didn't squirt water on, on yourself. I mean, it's nothing. But 100 bucks. For Savage, for that. So, Brute, to me, we need to reestablish that. That's the manly the manly scent that I think the world, once again, is waiting to be reintroduced to. But, Artie, totally I, I share your thoughts on that, too. And see, I, I go back, I go back, yeah, generationally speaking, to times in which the last thing I wanted to do, because I had so many things working against me in general, the last thing I wanted to do was, like, turn turn her off with my scent right so and that was part of it because you're right if it wasn't polo or dracar or cool water or whatever 
uh, you know, Giorgio, it wasn't going to fly. Um, and uh, we got to reintroduce Brute to everybody. You're right, Artie. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I almost feel like her dad, man. That, that was it. All right, I'll let you go, JMV. Thanks. You got it, Artie. Thank you. What, you don't like your dad? Honey, come on. I had to calculate. There are a lot of things I did not want to do to turn her off then. And I, and I really couldn't screw up the scent, right? I mean, that's one that's like a have to. I could not screw that one up. I mean, everything else, I got the face, I got the body. I mean, ass end, all this stuff is already working. It gets all the stuff uh, that has been created for me. My toolbox has... It is all right here, and if there's one thing I can't screw up is the scent. There's always a manly scent right there. It was. A quick one, we'll come back. Tony East at the pot, the top of the hour. I'm curious. John Collins reportedly goes to Utah for Rudy Gay, who I think is about as old as me, and a second rounder. Atlanta just wanted to get rid of his $78 million contract. So, curiosity, because the Pacers reportedly had some dialogue with Atlanta regarding DeAndre Hunter, will re-inspire that conversation with Tony coming up at the top of the hour. Tobias Harris, interest? Anything else that might be out there? And how much, how much of a change might we see roster maintenance-wise? Coming up here, let's just say in the next three weeks or so. Tony's going to join us coming up on the top of the hour. If you're on hold, I'll get to you inside the lounge via YouTube Live where there should be a debate where, okay, Janvi needs to send me some Brute. I can do that. A debate about Brute inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Hey, help me out on this one, too. we got to reestablish that as the manly scent. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Ahoy, boy. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Tony East, top of the hour, is going to join us. Uh, this via email, jmv at 107.5thefan.com. JMV, one of your favorite films of all time, debuted on this date back in 1981. Can you name it? Um, 81. Uh, yeah. Fast Times was in August of 82. It's not that. Die Hard was in the summer of 88. It's not that. Roadhouse was, I want to say, May of 89. It's not that. Oh, uh, um, oh yeah, stripes, stripes, with Bill Murray. This date back in 1981, but I will say this: I like, and this is so much like to me. This is like Full Metal Jacket. When, when they leave basic training, I shut it off. I just don't think it's any good after that. I think the best part, the best part is come and gone. That makes sense. After they leave, they graduate and leave basic training. They went through, you know, training on their own because Sergeant Hulka got blown up, sir. 
when they went to Italy on that special assignment with the RV, it got worse. So I shut it off. Then Full Metal Jacket when they go to Vietnam. Really, it's after um, what can I get for $10 is when I shut it off. Great movies, but still, it only gives you halfway. I will also say this. As far as Bill Murray is concerned, I would much rather watch Meatballs than I would Stripe. Meatballs in its entirety over Stripes in its entirety. But Stripes is still one of my favorites. Thank you for pointing that out. Uh, that is absolutely true. Hey, JMV, I don't think there's anything wrong with having expectations. I think you can have expectations, but still be understanding about where these teams actually are. You've been right about this all along. We've just been waiting. There's been too much time not to get excited about a win here or there. And again, I know people, this is not in terms of, you know, people will say, well, all this is going to do is, you know, give Chris Ballard more time and blah, blah, blah with false hope. This is more about the quarterback of the future than it is about the general manager. Now, if the quarterback of the future does not play well, if he can't put anything together longer term, then it's going to be about the general manager and the selection. Be about a lot of things then. You don't want that. That's FUBAR. But in the short term, Colts fans are just going to look for anything good resembling and oh, wow, what could be further down the road in terms of Anthony Richardson? There are going to be moments when you go, oh, like I mentioned, got to be kidding me. And then there'll be other moments when you go, ah, oh, you got to be kidding me. It'll be just like that. Be very reminiscent this year of the Colts like it was for the Pacers last year. Let me get uh, Jay in here at 239-1070. Jay, hello. Hey, John. It's been a while. I miss calling your drive-in show on where, Saturday Where night. were you, Jay, on the north side on Saturday? If you don't call and and request Survivor's Eye of the Tiger, I feel as if something's wrong. I have no idea. I've kind of been down in the dumps lately. Mm. So that's about we can't have that say. crap. Well, you got to join me sometime, Jay. Right. we got to pull you out of that. Come on now. Right. Come on now. So anyhow, Not on my watch, brother. Definitely. So anyhow, I think Aqua Velva is a nice option for four ninety nine at Target. Heck for yes, seven ounce you bottle. got that right, buddy. It's because you were talking about brute, so I figured uh-huh. I'd bring up Aqua Velva. Well, you better, man. And also, yes. What do you think of Joey Votto being a permanent fixture at first base for the Reds? I'm um, not much of a Reds fan. I'm a Cubs fan. Well, I mean, he's he's uh, and and thank you, Jay. You call in again anytime. Hope to see you very soon. I I think right now he fits in great. I want him to be a part of this kind of success, and what I mean by that is like surprising success. That's why I hope this maintains surprising success. There have been disappointments in the past. I mean, he's put up incredible numbers oftentimes. A future Hall of Famer. But I think that this would be even more special as the older generational player on the team that he can soak up this kind of surprise expectationally speaking. I think I just made up a word, but it sounded really good. Hey, BT, jump on here before I hit this break. What do you got? 
Jam, be my friend. How you doing, man? Fantastic, brother. Go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna come see you Wednesday. Well, but, you sure uh, as hell better. Yes, sir. Um, I'm gonna ride this red thing as long as it until they make me mad. But you know, they, that this role they've been on, Jesus, man, they've been awesome. That's we've been ten years since they've been any good. But the the smelling stuff. When I went into the service, they told us to bring a bottle of Old Spice. And I thought, man, these dudes, they want us to wear, have the same haircut, wear the same clothes. Now they want us to smell alike. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? And we get there. That wasn't for smell, dude. That was to take the scuff marks off the floor. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's right. That's uh, yeah. great for that. And I'm like... Holy crap, I was putting this on my face. <laughs> well, made it manly, brother. Made it manly. I'm telling you. <laughs> but I'll, <laughs> I'll see you Wednesday. All right, man. Wednesday at Walk-Ons, my friend. I appreciate that. Marcellus, hang out there. We'll get to you. And Tony East on the other side. How much, much of a change might we see on this roster coming up here? Uh, in particular, in the next three weeks, what would make sense to you when it does, if it does? What can they do with... You know, cap room unlike a lot of other NBA teams. What can they, what will they be willing to do? Tony East joins us top of the hour. 239-1070 is the number. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You are more reptile than man, George. So low and flat that the foot of man is incapable of crushing you. How dare you? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Jake Query, a little bit earlier. Uh, If you mentioned it a little bit uh, earlier, I told you about the conversation on Friday. Uh, Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard, both in studio. Podcast is up there, 107.5thefan.com. James over there. I'm John. Thank you all for joining us. And again, anybody affected by uh, the weather, specifically the severe weather, the tornadoes yesterday, and also especially down uh, and around me, around the uh, CG area, Johnson County. I know that there are tornadoes touching down a lot of other places, certainly straight line damaging winds. Uh, we're a part of this, but uh, we're thinking about you today, always, because uh, yesterday was rough. It was about an hour-long rough ride, and you know, all it really takes with stuff like this is uh, 10 or 20 seconds, uh, at least from what you hear here in central Indiana, what's been reported, there were no injuries. Uh, but damage has been extensive from what I've seen down there where I live. So uh, we're thinking about you today. No doubt about that. All right, Tony East in just a second. I don't, don't want to let our friend Marcellus hang on here in the 5 o'clock hour too long. Marcellus, go ahead. How are you? Hey, what's up, my friend? Good to hear <laughs> from you, good? man. Go ahead. Sorry hey. about the David Boa the other night, too. I ran out of time. Nah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But, hey, man, there's certain things you cannot do, right? Oppenheimer can't put the nuke back in the genie box, and you cannot bring Brute back. <laughs> okay. You're probably right. It's just got that can't stigma. It, it's got that stigma, doesn't it? Hey man, hey, it's got it's got the stick. I'm trying. Hey. I may be a one man gang here, but I'm trying. Yeah. 
Yeah, you, you got it, man. No problem. Got hey, it, man. Look, you, have a good, you have a good one, man. Talk, Talk to you on Saturday night, Sky Marcellus. You know, it's funny. I recognize voices, um, especially on Saturday night. And I remember if I didn't get a song in for you. That makes me feel bad, too. It does. The one thing that I've noticed about Saturday night is this, is it used to be we have two breaks an hour, right? And around, I don't know, around 17 after and then around 35 after. And when I first started, you know, one would have maybe, you know, three minutes of commercials in it. The first one and the second one would have maybe nothing. Uh, And now because of you guys and the popularity of Saturday night, these things are like packed with six minutes worth. And and sometimes I took, I want to say night before, week before last I think 167 calls and that's that's tough so sometimes i don't get to it and that does make me feel bad much like right now when i have friend of the show talking some nba and more from si pacers forbes wthr.com and locked on pacers tony east uh joining us waiting on hold right here my bad sorry about that hanging in is my favorite thing to do it makes me feel bad that makes me feel mind. bad right there. But you know what? At least you get to listen to quality portions and content on this show that's on right. hold. That's right? right. That's what it's all about. Um, I want to double back, if you wouldn't mind, is what you got, what we witnessed on Thursday night, a lot of what you thought you were going to get, or how, how did that go for you on Thursday, just out of curiosity? Yeah, we talked a little bit, Jeremy. I kind of thought it would go similar to that in that I thought Walker was the guy – for a while, first of all, and I think he's a fantastic fit. And I thought they would try to find a way to trade some of their later picks for future stuff because they couldn't have picked the number of players of the same number of picks that they had. So, you know, I, maybe I thought they would end up with a veteran uh, from draft night, and they did not do that. But of their goals to me, which was acquire a good talent in the lottery and acquire future assets and get a veteran, they got two out of three done, which was pretty close to what I thought their night would look like. Yeah, and you believe when when Chad Buchanan mentioned that they were kind of out after some deals to add an already established player, you you buy that? You buy that they went at that hard, or was that a little bit more of an afterthought on this Thursday night than than what we might believe? That wouldn't have been my top goal, but I totally believe that they did that. Yeah, um, you know, this is a a strangish time of of the NBA trade landscape between really high prices for the absolute best talent. I think that'll reset a little this summer. And the other thing is uh, the new collective bargaining agreement for the league, which changes the rules for a lot of transactions, starts in five days, right? So some teams are operating under certain rules now that they can't operate under in in less than a week, which kind of changes the way that some players can be dealt or how teams have to manage their money. So, it is a little harder to kind of shake things. Some teams, it's really hard to shake things up because their situation is very favorable. And for other teams, it's super easy. You just saw the Hawks trade John Collins for a bag of peanuts, and that was the best thing for them to do. So, you know, I, I think that, yeah, they probably did go after some premier talent. He talked about that after the press conference they had on Friday, um, talking about that they had five or six guys that they were a little aggressive of pursuing, but none of them were ultimately available in the end, right? So I totally believe that they – did do that, but I don't think that was maybe their number one priority. Or uh, and I uh, 
don't think it was necessarily plausible in the current landscape of the league. So Tony Easter joins us. How is the fit here with both Walker and Shepard moving forward? Obviously, uh, not a lot has been seen, I'm sure, by many with Ben Shepard out of Belmont, but uh, you've seen a lot of uh, Jarris Walker. How's the fit in year number one and your expectation? Yeah, I think he's a really good fit this year. Mostly, you know, the, the trouble's going to be, and this is true for every single rookie for the history of time, Defending as a rookie is very hard, right? The NBA game's a lot different. It's a lot faster. you got to be able to read the game quickly and space out. And Walker is a defensive prospect, right? So the thing he's the best at, he might struggle with right out of the gates. But, you know, we've seen under Carlisle, there are talented rookies in lottery picks, right? 28 minutes a game for Duarte, you know, 28, a little over 28 for Matherin, a little under 28 for an M-hard. Like, that seems about right to me. A couple minutes at various positions for Walker this season as he kind of adjusts to NBA defense and can be kind of the perfect four piece for them. It might depend on what they do in free agency, but I think that makes the most sense for him as the kind of perfect way to bridge that you know, defending is, is harder in the NBA than it is at other levels. And uh, that's kind of exactly what the Pacers will kind of need from him because they want to be better next year. Right. And so playing rookie significant minutes is, is tricky when you're trying to be good. So for a guy like Jarris who coming out of the gate is going to have to figure out stuff on defense somewhere in that 25 to 28 minutes range makes a lot of sense. And, uh, they'll kind of figure out how they can use him as a defender and an offensive player where, you know, they've talked about how they like his, his offensive upside. He played point guard in high school uh, at IMG and, uh, you know, definitely showed some pass or some flashes, excuse me, of his passing ability at Houston. We'll see how, uh, how much that translates right away and what that looks like. But certainly a guy that they can bring along a little bit slowly, depending on how the free agency goes, but definitely somebody that can fit in and help them. Uh, in some ways right away. Yes, Tony Easton joins us. I want to talk about the upcoming free agency and what could be an interesting three-week period. It's certainly well around the NBA. I just don't know how deeply it might go with the Pacers. But with that in mind, from what you gather, what you gauge from the input you get via social media, where do Pacers fans expect them to be going into 23 and 24 and the outcome of that compared to what you believe the Pacers organizationally think they're going to be this coming year yeah, the internet the internet fan thinks they're going to sign uh lebron and mj and uh you know a couple guys of that caliber more realistically though it's interesting because as of right the second of be talking to jmb they only have one roster spot right like they really can only sign one player and then their team is full but that's kind of tricky because they have a ton of cap space and they have to get to 90 percent of the salary cap to uh satisfy a new rule in the CBA, at least likely every team will try to do that before the season. So they've got to spend a pretty good amount of money on that one player, or they have to make a trade. So their free agency period is going to be extremely interesting to me in terms of how they balance those two things I just said to you of how do they fill their finances and build their team out in a way that makes actual sense for them. And I think, you know, the, the, play, the level of player that the fans sort of want and, and would like to see on this team, right? They haven't made the playoffs in three years is kind of the player that would cost that much money. They don't have quite max space, but they could get a really good player. I mean, if somehow Jeremy Grant wiggled free, he'd be an amazing fit. For example, we've seen it floated now. Harrison Barnes, uh, Grant Williams. I'm trying to think if there's any other. Uh, Tobias Harris, for example, he's not a free agent, but could be a wonderful fit. I'm trying to think about it. Uh, De- DeAndre Hunter was one in Atlanta. I don't know what the effect might be with what took place with John Collins today. Yeah, they finally shed money, which means – I think trading for Hunter would probably be a little harder just because you can't use that as a bargaining chip anymore if you're the Pacers. But, you know, all those names are 
certainly going to be names that you'll hear a lot in the coming week. You know, they're forward, they're talented, and many of their cases could be under contract for a while. Kyle Kuzma, another name you'll probably hear in the coming week. I don't know how amazing any of those players are, but a lot of them are really good fits uh, with what the Pacers have and need and could definitely help them take the next steps. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of bridge what they can do versus what they should do, right, and and how they kind of feel about that. They made four picks. That surprised me a little bit in the draft, even though it sounds like only three of those rookies will be on the team this year. So I'll be fascinated to see how they use their space because, again, the biggest question I have is, are they really only going to sign one player, or are they going to make a move to do more than that? Well, I was going to ask you this. In terms of what I feel they're going to do, it's going to come via a a trade route. So you tell me who you believe uh, among the usual suspects here uh, might be offered up in a deal, both to get other talent in here and also to satisfy you know what's going to be a roster limit coming up. Yeah, it's interesting because – you know, two of the names you'll probably hear a lot in trades is because of the, the new cap rules or because of the teams they're on are going to be two guys we just said, DeAndre Hunter and Tobias Harris, right? The Hawks uh, are in what I would consider to be maybe the worst financial spot for a team, and that's really expensive and not that good, right? They're running up against this new second apron. They're, they were close to the luxury tax. That's why they traded John Collins for what looks like very little return because they took back sh- uh, such a little salary in that trade. So, they might not be interested in that anymore, but if they still need to shed money, you know, DeAndre Hunter, four years, $95 million, I think, for him uh, with Atlanta right now. Like, if they want to shed more money, the Pacers could send out stuff for him that's way less in salary because the Pacers can take that into their space. Any the other one we said is Tobias Harris, who makes $38 million this coming year or something around there, but um, is on an expiring contract. So it's not a long-term hindrance. It's just one year at that number. So... You know, if it was one of those two guys, of course, you could just say, you know, trade out one salary to get them. And then, you know, let's say it's pretty healed. You could still sign somebody else with the rest of your space. Or you could send a couple smaller salaries like, you know, Daniel Tice, Chris Duarte and a young big. And then you'd still have a lot of space to work with and a bunch of roster spots. Right. So there's some creativity involved and it might depend on what the team receiving the Pacers players or, or stuff would want. Um, but either way, I think one of the Pacers' advantages is that they can offer savings, and a lot of teams are going to need that given the way that the new uh, CBA kind of encourages teams to be in certain salary ranges. Hypothetically speaking here, what would DeAndre Hunter look like in the mix with the Pacers, Tony? I'm a fan of his more so than it seems like the public perception is. Obviously, the big thing for him and something that will sour every fan away is injuries have been horrible Uh, In his career, he was relatively healthy his first season in the league, but then 23 games the second year, 53 Mm. the third year, 67 last year is decent. But, like, he can shoot it pretty well, you know, about average on decent attempts in his career. He scored 15 points a game last year. He's a good defender at his size, right? He's got quick feet, six foot eight. So I don't know if he's the perfect fit with with anybody because he's kind of like just good enough on defense to call him a defensive wing and just good enough as a shooter to say he's a shooter, even though he's not awesome at either one. But he's good enough at both that you could say, yeah, he fits in any lineup. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He never turns it over. He's rarely in the wrong spot. And he's kind of efficient, right? Like, that's a valuable player. And he's not that expensive to me, especially kind of given out the new contracts. Look, he'd fit a huge need for the Pacers. He'd be their best wing right away. So I don't know exactly what his value is or if the Hawks think he's overpaid. But to me, he's a 
prime target for them just given his position. Again, we'll keep this in the hypothetical too. When you consider what they would give up and what they'd get in return, they being the Pacers with DeAndre Hunter, would it be more of a risk considering his recent history of lack of health and injury or more of a risk if you ship somebody off to Philly for Tobias Harris knowing that after one year he can bail? What's the bigger risk? Yeah, I would say that one-year bail is definitely a big risk, especially for a team like the Pacers. Now, the thing is, with Harris bailing at $38 million, you'd immediately have that in space, potentially, although Tyrese Halliburton, assuming he gets an extension this summer, which I think that's the biggest story of the Pacers' free agency period, um, then the Pacers would immediately have his salary jump up and lose some of that space. So I generally think losing good players and assets for nothing is – about the worst thing that can happen to a team in the team building process, right? It's it's never a good thing. That's why teams always try to trade away players that they have any risk of losing uh, if they're not in a position to win significant games. So Hunter's injury history certainly not great, but you know he had like his rookie season that that was a shortened year because of COVID. Sixty three out of seventy two is pretty good. Sixty seven last year isn't awesome, but it's pretty good. So it's two good years and two bad years, right? That's a little risky, certainly. But I would rather take that gamble than risk losing a player in one year, basically for any team in the league, unless it's a title contender like Philly, for example, where Tobias Harris currently plays. But that's just kind of what I think in the Pacers situation. They can't be wasting assets at this time. All right. Finney Smith was a name that was mentioned prior to the NBA draft. And I guess it's a free agent. Cam Johnson's a name that has been mentioned a number of times. What might you think would be the level of interest for the Pacers you know, maybe would have in either player? Yeah, Finney Smith played for Carlisle his whole career before uh, Carlisle came to the Pacers, obviously. And uh, good 3 and deep player, right? He's been pretty running hot from three these last couple of years until going to the Nets where he didn't shoot it very well. And I think that's part of why the Nets would potentially look to trade him is he didn't play the best for them, and they're probably going to be expensive pretty soon, especially if they do keep Cam Johnson, and they'll still have Bridges and other guys who are who are up for deals. So I would get why they would look to move him, and he had a lot of value in that Kyrie Irving trade. Like, clearly he is a valued player in the NBA, and again, 3 and D wings, mega valuable, especially ones that know your head coach pretty well. So that would make sense to me for the Pacers to pursue him. I don't know a ton of reasons why the Nets would trade him away unless their finances got a little out of control, which is possible, certainly. Um, I'm not going to pretend like the Nets are a team that would cut money, though. You know, they have an owner that has spent uh, for years and years on their old team, so perhaps they're just willing to keep everybody. But uh, his contract's pretty solid, so if if they're not willing to trade him away, there's no issue there. He's got three more years, although the last year was a player option. And Cam Johnson is a free agent, but the tricky part of this, we talked about this all last summer with DeAndre Ayton, he's a restricted free agent, right? And it sounds like the Nets would match up to, you know, nearly – what is that nine figures? I can't even count. There's so many zeros on the end of some of these contracts, right? But you know, he's going to cost somewhere like probably ninety to hundred million for a three and D wing who's twenty seven. Uh, it's going to be really hard to get him at all, and it's going to be really hard to pay him on a deal that's fair-ish and still good enough that the Nets would not match. And how much better is he really going to get at twenty seven? You know, I'm not going to say any player won't improve. He hasn't been in the league for that long, but you know, he's a really tricky one in that he'd be an awesome fit with almost every team in the league, right? If you can shoot and defend. That's awesome. He averaged 17 points a game for the Nets last year. It was great in the playoffs. But he's just in a really tricky spot with a strict free agency where it might be just too hard for any team, even teams with cap space, to actually acquire him. What about Kyle Kuzma? You know, uh, he's never been my favorite player, JMB, but that doesn't really matter. It, is, it matters if the Pacers like him or not. And uh, 
Scoring 21 points per game doesn't just happen, right? He's clearly talented. Uh, his three's never been great, but uh, even on volume, the volume that he shot at last year, 18 shots a game, even being average from an efficiency perspective, is solid. Uh, it's not great. You'd obviously prefer better. But, you know, in, in, the, in many of the ways that I like Hunter more than the average fan is that he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Like Kuzma misses a high volume of shots, turns it over, a decent amount doesn't get to the line that much. So he's obviously talented and can score on the wing. But for a Pacers team prioritizing defense, I don't know that he's the best fit. He's not ever been the best on that end of the floor. But if you're six foot nine and can can score twenty points at your best, even not even at your best sometimes, that's a valuable player, right? I think he'll get a pretty big contract from someone this year. Maybe that's the Wizards. Maybe it's not. Um, I don't know that he's the best fit with the Pacers, but if he's the best wing they can get, then they should probably still pursue it because as a talented, unrestricted free agent at the size that they need, uh, they could definitely do worse than bring him in. So, Tony East with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You mentioned this name, and I've, I've always liked him a, a great deal. He always seems like he gets lost in the, the proverbial shuffle. But uh, knowing, or I guess in this case not knowing, what's going to be going on in Portland, what's your thoughts on a guy like Jeremy Grant? You brought his name up a little bit earlier, too. And, and again, hypothetically how he would could, would enter the mix with this young and upcoming trending on the right way pacer squad. What do you think? Yeah, the only way I can, I mean, I, if I'm the Blazers, I'm keeping Grant anyway, even if Dame is traded. But the only way I can see him even being maybe available is if the Blazers decide to move on from Dame and they enter a, a new younger era with, you know, Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simons and uh, Chris Murray they just picked, you know, all those guys. They've got a solid young core already started. Uh, they got really lucky in the lottery this year to do it, but, you know, that matters. And so, if they trade Dame, like, what's Jeremy Grant going to really help you with, right? Your team's not trying to be awesome next year if you trade away Damian Lillard. So, if that this, this is a lot of hypotheticals, and I hate going down, you know, if this happens and this happens, but if that all happens and Jeremy Grant's available, I mean, he's probably, to me, the best fit of any free agent on the whole market for the Pacers this summer. I mean, can play three and four, right? So, can play with Walker and uh, without Walker, which would be huge for the Pacers has been a 20-points-per-game score across the last three seasons combined. He's only 29, so he's not so old that you're scared about his contract. And he can shoot now, 37% from three over those three seasons. Like, that efficiency is really hard to find. He, uh, like, again, doesn't turn it over much. His defense is really solid, probably the best of anybody we've really talked about today. Has that Team USA experience, right? He's been rewarded for his good play in the past. He's not quite all-star level, but given what he can do in terms of scoring and defending and being a decent connecting piece, he's okay on the glass. Like, I think he'd be uh, a near-perfect fit with the free agents out there for the Pacers. They could certainly afford him. Uh, I don't know how long of a contract he'd be looking for, but they could certainly per year probably afford him. So if it somehow happens that the Blazers weren't going to keep him, it's, again, all signs point to him staying in Portland. But if it, somehow that's not the case, he would be – a fantastic fit with what the Pacers do right now. Uh, any any free agents out there? May, even any trade scenarios considering you know, salary cap situations with teams in the NBA that nobody's talking about but you might be thinking about right now? Anything? Yeah, I like Grant Williams a lot. I think I brought his name up earlier, but yep. the Celtics just brought in money right in that Porzingis trade when they sent away Marcus Smart to bring him in. They're, they're expensive now. And if they pay Grant Williams, they're going to be blowing over some of those new thresholds, which maybe they're okay with that. But uh, if they're not, which who knows, especially because Jalen Brown next year is also potentially going to be more expensive. A guy like Grant Williams, you know, former 
pretty high pick in the first round. Where did he go? Seventeenth? I can't remember. It doesn't matter for this conversation. But who I thought was really good. Yeah, twenty second. Uh, I thought was really good in that draft. He can really shoot it. Thirty eight percent for his career in the last three years. I believe over forty percent um, is a really solid defensive player. Plays with his body is huge. Like I think he'd fit the Pacers really well at his age too. He's only twenty four. I think that'd be a really impressive pickup by the Pacers. Other free agents I kind of like, although not on longer deals. Joe Ingles, I've always thought, is pretty good. I don't know if the Bucks are going to be able to afford to keep him or not. Georges Niang, a former Pacer who uh, is very tight with Tyrese Albert, and I think from Iowa State uh, is where their connection really comes from. Those two names kind of stand out to me as guys who could be good for this team because they could play three or four, and in Yang's case can really shoot it. I mean, one of the better shooters in the whole league. I don't know why Philly would let him go, but he's unrestricted. If he you know, wants to join the Pacers and play with his friend, why not? And the trade market's a little harder to predict, right, especially with the draft being over now. It's a little harder to see exactly who could be available. But those are some names that aren't discussed as much as stand out to me as potential fits. So Tony East with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I, I brought up the two-way player drafted or undrafted guy out of Kentucky, the big man Oscar Sheboy. Is is there a way – and I just mentioned this because of his, his strength and ability – and his rebounding ability with a team that has little to no rebounding ability, uh, really outside of one, um, is does he have a chance on this roster, especially if they decide against rolling further down the road with a couple or maybe even one backup big that currently resides on the roster? Is there a chance there at all? You know, if they keep all the, you, you nailed the part that matters here. Like if they keep all the backup bigs they have. I doubt it. You know, there, there's just too much in his way. But, you know, you've seen these rebounding guys on two-way deals pop for the Pacers before. Remember, Terry Taylor was like, came out of nowhere, but was killing it with their G League team and grabbing like every miss for game after game. And they gave him a two-way. And guess what? In the NBA, his rebounding was just as valuable, right? That's a skill that translates level to level pretty well. You know, even in the pros, Terry Taylor's offensive rebound rate was like top five in the league and we're talking about a small sample but he was six five like he was a beast on the glass for his size and that stuck with him when he went to the bulls as well you know i think in that way if Shibuya ends up getting any time in the pros like that rebounding is gonna look impressive I mean, you don't have what he averaged 15 rebounds a game as a junior that's ridiculous right like that's gonna be something that is available to him in in the pros or in the g league if he plays a lot with the Madden. i don't know how much he'll get on the NBA floor, but you know, I think that is something that if there are minutes that open up for him or if something drastic happens and the Pacers need him to play, he's going to look good because that's a skill that, that does slide from level to level. The questions are going to be, you know, can he finish plays, right? He hit 56% of his twos this past season. That's not awesome given the shots that he takes, but his efficiency is still fine. Um, can he do all, all the other stuff? Like, can he defend the bigs in the NBA? Can he run perimeter to perimeter line? We'll see, but his rebounding could just be so good that you live with some of the flaws, right? You saw that with Terry Taylor. The Pacers started him. Remember, remember last year, Miles Turner got hurt opening night with that ankle roll. They started Terry Taylor. They thought he was the best option to move in there, and the rebounding was valuable. Like, if you're that good of a rebounder, there can be a role for you, and I think Shibway could uh, end up proving that once again. We'll see how many other backup bigs stick with this Pacers team, though. Yeah, my, my Twitter account incredibly remembers opening night, Miles, and the ankle roll. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that feel like it was way, way longer than whatever that was eight months ago? I mean, that feels like an eternity ago. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of things have happened, and especially I, I think what has also helped uh, with that lens in mind, that perspective, 
Tony is the fact that you know they're trying every which way they can to get rid of DeAndre Ayton now after matching that that offer sheet. I, you know, I, I mentioned this when, when teams play well, it's one thing, but when you start rolling, and I think that's what Pacer fans are hoping for right now. You also are met with good fortune. Sometimes good fortune rides shotgun with you because other things, other decisions, your level of play is also going right. And I think you saw that. I mean, they had a bit of good fortune right there because you, you kind of wonder. And again, it's I think it's easy to say that, well, you got Tyrese Halliburton and Aiton would have been fine here. But the way that he has been a, a, a malcontent in Arizona, seemingly a great situation for him, especially a high-level winning possibility situation for him. Uh, as, as I mentioned to Chad Buchanan, the Pacers have to feel fortunate that the Suns matched almost this time last year. The key was so good in that 2021 playoffs. And I can't believe that he hasn't been able to get back to that level. Or sometimes, like, you can point to the effort, and, I, you know, maybe this is too harsh to say that, been willing to get back to that level of player. Like, he was getting 12 boards a game and hitting something like 70% of his shots in that year they went to the finals. And ever since then, that, that, that player just hasn't been there. And maybe that's just because he's wanted a bigger role that – Monty Williams wasn't willing to give him, but, I mean, look at their team now. There's no way he's getting more touches now than nope. he, was. he was then, certainly. So, uh, I don't know if, if it was truly just the coaching and not having Monty Williams could be what he needs to kind of be reinvigorated and keep going. It sounds like some reporting says they're not going to trade him, which is interesting to me. I mean, they're going to be such a top-heavy team. Regardless of what I think, though, yeah, I think the Pacers certainly – have luck riding shotgun with them on this one that right after the Suns match Turner was better than him immediately right yes took him 90 minutes I had 90 minutes of content last July when they signed him to an offer sheet and then before the end of the show uh, Phoenix had matched that, so it was. That's a good show for you, though, right? Yeah, ninety. Yeah, ninety minutes of content. <laughs> ninety minutes of content, quality content in three hours is a high water mark for this show right here. <laughs> hey, Tony, one final quick thing before I let you go here. Tony East again joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Uh, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, Buddy Heald, Chris Duarte. Of those four players, which are the ones? or maybe only one that's most likely not to be on the roster to start the season to you? Well, there's not a good answer. You know, the, the draft definitely didn't help uh, Buddy Heald's case that they picked another two guard. The only reason I'm going to say his name is because of his contract. He only has one year left on his deal, and that always makes a player potentially plausible to be traded. But he is the best of those players by a lot, and is close with Halliburton, and is good for this Pacers team. And so – you know, perhaps that's the reason enough to trade him. But if not, if they are, you know, just doing a move that helps another team do cost cutting, I would say the most likely is Isaiah Jackson. He probably has the most value to another team given his contract. And Smith and Jackson were splitting time last year. They're pretty equally impactful. So I would say Jackson and Heald would be the top two for me, although I, I would understand if they dealt any of those guys how it would help their team and balance their roster a bit. It's uh, Tony East again, Forbes, WTHR.com, SI Pacers, Locked On Pacers. You can find all of his work uh, among those sites, and we have him on here as often as possible via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Man, we'll stay in touch here and find out what happens coming up in the next three weeks and see if we get some fireworks. I appreciate you. (laughs) You got it. I'm sure we'll be in touch. Uh, Tony East on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Quick break. We'll take a break. Come back. 
And uh, we'll talk it up here for the final 30 or so on a Monday in studio. Looks like it poured down rain here downtown. Still is right now. So at least rainfall. Don't see any storms going on out there. But uh, heavy rain downtown on the circle right now. Much needed rain for a lot of you if you're getting it with your uh, dry yards and such. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. And you're nothing but a chameleon, lemon-headed, coward, talent, and I'm after you, buddy. You're going to pay for it. Good night. Thank you very much, sir. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I got to make a trek down the Redneck Audubon later on tonight. Anybody want to go? Anybody want to ride with me? Redneck Audubon. I don't uh, gather I'm getting a lot of takers right now. (laughs) Redneck Audubon. That'd be a quick one. I got to get down there and get right back. There's one thing about it. Now, you get north of 144 and not so much, but south of 144, which uh, we now know as I-69, I'm assuming that the Redneck Audubon, is that just when you get south of Bloomington is what we call it now, or because it stretches through Bloomington and well past Martinsville, do we still describe it as such, the Redneck Audubon? Uh, They'll give you a pinch in Martinsville. They'll give you a pinch in Bloomington, too. Most of the time, you're good to go once you get south of Bloomington. Hey, tomorrow's show, by the way, Spencer Steer of the Reds. 274, 11 home runs, 43 runs driven in. Reds and Orioles later on tonight. First base, I think he played some left field in that Braves series, too. Spencer Steer. I'm going to say he played collegiately at Oregon, too. As the Reds kick off an early week set in Baltimore, 7.05 later on tonight, 41-37, and 37, half game in front of Milwaukee in the National League Central as they start the day. Spencer Steer at 4 o'clock with us coming up tomorrow. Meantime, 239-1070. Mark Sion, Brick Green Egg, is in the house. When am I going to see Hello. you? You going to come out? How you doing? You got to come out doing, sometime. Man? I'm good, brother. Good to hear from you. Uh, hey, man, I haven't talked to you in a while. It was sunny here in Brownsburg 20 minutes ago, <laughs> and I was getting a little suntan. I got four pork shoulders on the extra-large big green egg nice. for an event on Wednesday night. I'm I'm taking the Autobahn down to Evansville okay. to do a big cooking event. Next thing I know, I'm getting rained on like crazy, but uh, no, big, no big deal. The big green egg can handle it. It can handle it. There's no doubt. You got pork shoulder on there right now, do you? Oh, yeah. Pulled pork, yeah. Yep, we're doing pulled pork with uh, cherry wood. And it's going to be tasty. I'm going to take it off here in about three hours, maybe four hours from now, and uh, shred it, and it's going to be... it's going to be delish. Hey, I... I Who, who's better at smoke? Who's smoking better at smoking meats, you or Myron Mixon? Probably me. Uh, <laughs> you know... I like, I like the bravado, man. Yeah. Call it like you see it. Yeah, yeah. Hey... Uh, side note, you hmm. know I have a complimentary brand new cover for you. I'm ready for the cover. That's 
sitting at Sullivan's Hardware for you. We got to get your egg you know, tuned up. I, I do. We do. And I was just over there last uh, week ago, Saturday. I was there. Oh, well, yeah. darn it. I was there for uh, Slawfest. Yeah. I was there for Slawfest. And actually, it's the first time I ever tasted coleslaw, but it was disguised in some deep fried concoction. So, well, and it had cheese know. inside of it. It was really not, not like, it wasn't like eating coleslaw. It was, yeah, melted cheese and some deep fried thing that supposedly had coleslaw in it. Well, Pat Sullivan's going to, you know, pull a trick or two on you every now and then with yes. coleslaw and all that. You know, craziness. <laughs> and I love it. And I love it. Now, I don't think this has been announced. Yes. And there's talk, you right. know, via text that you're doing some kind of smoke off. Yep. Possibly in late July. Has it's, that been announced? It, it is. It is coming. Yes, we got that. And I believe some backyard bourbons are, are getting ready to fire back up, be re-inspired coming up here. So all of a sudden, we've got a lot on the agenda. But, yeah, we'll be back out of Sullivan Hardware and Garden. Mike Wells and I with another smoke off for everybody to enjoy yeah i'm looking forward to it now i'm not going to play a big role in this i'm just going to be kind of like a bar back you know so if you need some you know some vinegar and oil you need a little bit of seasoning i'm just going to be there to help you know i'm not taking the lead role on this i continuously on saturday mornings watch episodes of barbecue pitmasters on destination tv just to make sure just to make sure i'm good to go for that Definitely. And I got to say this, Mm -hmm. I I did the Bob and Tom show last week and it was the fifth time I've been on their show. We did beer can chicken and then we took that beer can chicken and we did some uh, awesome chicken tacos and some chicken salad. So if anybody is out there, I don't care what kind of grill you got, get that beer can, put it up the cavity of that bird. And start cooking some beer can chickens because, my God, that was some good eating. I, Did I you say put it up the cavity of that bird? That's yeah, some inspiration right there. Well, it's uh, it's the American way, John. <laughs> you just got to do it. Well, I mean, we're, we're, approaching, we're approaching Independence Day and yes. Fourth of July outdoor celebration. So, you know, beer can chicken that you're talking about out here seems like a good play. Oh, Let's it's do it. play. Now, I, I got to say something on the sports thing. I am so excited, and you know I'm a big Colts fan. Our new quarterback, it's Anthony Richardson, yeah, correct? Indeed. Okay. Him and Jonathan Taylor, that is going to be a dynamic duo. I really believe. I really believe. And if we have a soft schedule, and if our offensive line can get it together, I think we're going to – we're on a new era of – uh, I'm excited. I, are you excited? I am. Um, I am <laughs> kind of apprehensive. I'm in a wait and see pattern right now. So well, like, anything's I, better than our last quarter. Yeah, I am. I am in a wait and see. I, I guess uh, I am excited because I want to see Anthony Richardson, and that first step is is hopefully seeing Anthony Richardson in week number one at least be deemed ready to go. And then we'll yeah. play off of that. So I'm, I'm trying not to set an incredible level of expectations. But, Mark, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, you're going to have moments where you go, oh, wow. And then you're going to have other moments where it's a little bit more downplayed and you go, oh, wow. And you're going to wonder both during this year. But I am excited to see him play. I just hope to see him play in week number one. I don't want to have the conversation if he is deemed not ready. Well, that reminds me of something my wife told me not too long ago. Sometimes she gets these oh wow moments about me and yes, then sometimes right. she 
she doesn't have the oh wow moments. Well, you know yeah, I just I, I just got the negative oh wow with my, you know that's just kind of how my life has been. Just yeah, oh wow, great, yeah, great. He's home. Oh wow, all right. But I'll right. look I'll look for you. Come down anytime, Mark. Keep in touch, brother. The big green egg, just in time for July Fourth and your cookout right there. I do. I watch barbecue pit masters Saturday morning. It runs basically all day long, and there's only uh, maybe four or five seasons worth of them, but I watch it all the time. I'm very excited because I I have been um, – this is going to sound really weird. Apologies. Um, I love to – I now love to inject my meat. I never had done that before. And after watching this, I am a huge fan of injecting my meat now. I'd never done it. I'd, I'd rub the meat down, but I'd never injected my meat, and now I do. But I am ready. We're going to do that coming up at Sullivan Hardware and Garden later on this summer, and I believe it hasn't been announced yet. I probably should not be even saying anything, but I believe we have uh, some backyard bourbons coming up here, too. Been a busy week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Going to be on the road. I'll tell you where coming up in just a bit. Uh, Spencer Steer of the Reds coming up tomorrow. Uh, that was just solidified by James a couple of minutes ago. So Spencer Steer of the Reds, they're in Baltimore beginning tonight. Spencer Steer's on the show coming up in the 4 o'clock hour tomorrow. This is from Jason, JMV. You were definitely right about the drive to Galveston. Much smoother going there than having to drive through Nashville and Atlanta. Heading to South Carolina or Florida. Galveston? Hold on a second. Yeah, I, I got to clarify that. I think I was talking about Galveston, Texas. <laughs> but Jason, have a great vacation wherever you go, and hopefully you are summer road travel ready right there. Yeah, I, lo- I love the backyards. I'm glad we're going to do that, evidently, again. And, and the, uh, the smoke-off's always fun, too. I'm trying, trying really hard right now, too. Quick break, and we come back. Final time today. Rakestraw, Spencer Steer tomorrow, and a busy week on the road. I shall explain. Make sure you carve out a little bit of time and join us coming up on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. I promise you an incredible moment or two. You'll love it. Quick break. We'll come back. Final time next. The Ride with JMV. Look at all those ding-dongs. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Caught in a rain, apparently some of you got into a bit of a shower earlier today. Looks like your downtown is now come and gone and back to blue sky. Hopefully your place, you got the necessary rain. I mentioned coming up, and I want you, please, to join us Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Now, best case scenario is every day. But Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, walk-ons, South Meridian, downtown South Meridian. That's on Wednesday. That's a Todd Johnson place. You know, the Mucky Duck, right? Todd's a part of walk-ons. We'll be there coming up on Wednesday. Tavern Tour Stop for June is going to be one of the greatest of all time. Me, betting analyst Brent Holverson. The samples will be flowing at the legendary Irea's. Off of College, near southeast side of downtown. 
So Irea's coming up on Thursday, and then we're with the Indy 11 up in Westfield at Grand Park coming up on Friday. So plenty of opportunities for you. And I will let you know about the other things, too, including the smoke-off, as well as us firing up some backyard bourbon broadcast. Now, we will talk about that coming up. But it should be good nonetheless. Again, walk-ons Wednesday, and then backyard bourbon broadcast at Irea's on Thursday. Grant Park with the Indy 11. That is on Friday. Greg Rakestraw, Spencer Steer of the Reds, already on tomorrow's show, so make sure you don't miss a minute, beginning at 3 o'clock. BTR is at 239-1070. Hello, BTR. JMV, how are you, brother? I could not be better. I appreciate you asking, though. Uh, first of all, yeah, hearts go out to everybody on the south side. Yeah, that sucked. It it did. I drove by. Uh, just I was I had to go to a couple of different places this morning, and there was there was heavy damage. So a lot of people, a lot of people having to cope with a lot of damage right now, and I absolutely hate that. Not just on the south side, but certainly places where severe weather, tornado touchdown, maybe heavy winds, you know, compromised a roof, a home, a garage, you know, property that stinks. And I cannot believe you've never had coleslaw, and Brian No had never had chili. Yeah, well, the chili's to me much more odd never having that. But coleslaw just looks nasty. Uh, <laughs> depends who's making it. That, that too. Hey, BTR, I got to run here. Thank you. Daryl, give me a good 10 seconds. I got to run. Hey, I just want to uh, say thanks for getting that uh, a song on the radio Saturday night. The girls in my Uber were very happy. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, listen. I try my damnedest to make girls happy. It just sometimes doesn't work out that way, brother. <laughs> you know you what made, I mean? You made, you made their night. They never heard their names <laughs> on the radio before, so Saturday night. You got yeah. it, brother. Thank you, Daryl James. Great job today. Thank you for calling the show. My thanks to Tony East and Jake Query. The podcast is 1075thefan.com. Greg Rakestraw and Red Spencer Steer are part of the show coming up tomorrow beginning at 3. Don't miss it. Have a great and a safe night. Nikam Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Meekum's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Meekum experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Meekum.com.